Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Seattle Wednesday, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. What's up, Jamie? You're already laughing. I I think I just scared Marshy a little bit. How come? Because I just yelled at him. Because I was all fired up. Like, not yelled at him, but... Ready to go. Well, you missed it, too. He was singing earlier. He's like, let's get nasty. Yeah. I was like, let's get nasty. And there is a song that's out there. It goes, can you hear me get nasty now? Yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) Shaking the booty. I was like, yes. I've never heard that song, but you sound just like whoever does it. It's probably better, actually. Mm. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll play for you in the break, Anthony. I appreciate that, Jamie. You don't want to get nasty, too. We're already getting nasty right now. Let's as get it nasty is. now. As soon as... See? Kind of like that. Yeah, that's good. Marshy gets it. Yeah. Well, DJ Marshy Marsh. That's true. He understands. He understands unfair advantage, honestly. House music. Is that what they call it these days? House music? There's house music. There's EDM. There's all sorts of types. Of is te- all is techno types still around? Techno is probably still around. I personally don't listen to techno. Oh, but wow. Yeah. What's your problem with techno? I have no problem with techno. I love techno bowl. That was techmo. Techmo tech bowl. Yeah, that's right. Mm. You would like techmo bowl. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it'd still be kind of cool, right? You, you got the... He doesn't games get it. going he doesn't on get it. and doesn't get it. techno going on in the background. Marshy's talking more about tech mosaic bowl, techmo bowl. Ah, yeah. I see what you did there. Hey, speaking of Mo, Mo is apparently running things in Seattle now. If you're listening to the Mariners president of baseball operations, Jerry Depoto, did you hear some of these comments today by Jerry Depoto about his team? <laughs> Anthony, I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. Marsh, do we have the audio? We certainly do. Let's, if if you, <laughs> stop us if you heard this before. Hang on. If you're driving and you feel like you might get very angry, it's wet and rainy out, Be pull careful. over. Pull yeah. over. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you look in a decade, those teams that win 54% of the time always wind up in the postseason, and they more often than not wind up in World Series. Now, so there's your your bigger picture process. Nobody wants to hear the goal this year is we're going to win 54% of the time. Because sometimes 54% is is some one year you're going to win 60%, another year you're going to win 50%. You know, it's whatever it is. But over time, that type of mindset gets you there. If what you're doing is focusing year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year? 
you might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor (laughs) and asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. (laughs) Jamie, you had the the same reaction I did. (laughs) You know when you're watching somebody just unfold in front of you? Yeah. And you're just waiting. Say he's he or she is going to he's they're gonna say it. Oh he did. They're gonna say it, they're gonna step in it, mm-hmm. and you're gonna go, there it is. And his little thing there about the fans, that's what there it was. <laughs> you said it. I like that he doubled back on it too. It was basically like I'm gonna win fifty four percent of the games and you're gonna love it. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay for it, and you're going to love it. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's kind of what he meant by that. His his players don't feel that way. Cal Rowley, the uh, catcher slash DA, says, we have to become a better team, straight up. We've we've been right at this 90-game mark for a few years now. We've just got to become better. Something's got to change. I don't think by any means we're a bad team this year, but it's not where we want to be. We want to be getting to the World Series. We want to be making the playoffs every single year, and in order to do that, in order to do that, some things have to change, and it starts with the players here in the clubhouse. We've got to commit to winning. We have to commit to going and getting those players you see other teams going out and getting, going for it and getting big-time pitchers, getting big-time hitters. We have to do that to keep up. I think we've done a great job of growing some players here within the farm system, but sometimes you have to go out and you have to buy. That's just the name of the game. We'll see what happens this offseason. Hopefully we can add some players and become a better team. You can you can swap out Cal Raleigh for Nolan Arenado in that regard. So players feel that way. The fan base, I don't know if I don't I don't think that Jerry Depoto or John Mozalock are tone deaf to what the fan base wants to hear. I just think they're they're pro, they're in a bad spot. This is how they feel growing their team and and keeping it sustainable. That's what they think. Is, is the key. The fans, all they want to hear is, we're going for it, watch this, and then watch their team sign whatever <laughs> names are on whatever website that they're looking at for top free agents. That's a, that's a, that's a tough spot to be if you're Mo or DePoto or any other general manager slash base, president of baseball operations when you know it's going to win the fan base over. Spending big. The Padres fan base, one over. The Mets fan base, are they, one over. Are they, though? Now they're not. I would argue that they're two of the most miserable fan bases now because of what's happened. But go back before. Go back to the offseason. Okay, but Anthony, so that's the, that's the counter-argument, right? Is if you're the Seattle Mariners, you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you're a fringe team right now. And your fan base is screaming at the top of their lungs to go all in. Go for it. Look what happened over here. Not only was the season catastrophic, mm-hmm. but those two clubs lost money. I understand. Maybe that. not the Mets. Yeah. The Mets have, you know, but they didn't make the money they thought they could. And the Padres, I guarantee they lost money this year. Hand over fist. With that with all the salary and all they don't have the deals that the Mets have. So that's the counter-argument. Oh, okay, go all in. Well, look at these two teams. Mm-hmm. Then the counter-argument to that is, but you got to go in with the right players. Okay. But everybody wants those guys. Yeah. So, I 
I know it's a hot button for our fan base here, the Cardinals fan base, to hear those comments, which literally um, uh, mimic what John Mosellock has said, right down to the be patient part. Absolutely. But honestly, there yeah. should be a lawsuit in progress. We have we have <laughs> trademarked be patient, so cease and desist will be sent out to the Mariners. Yeah, probably we can, this afternoon. We can franchise the the slogan. Yeah, but they're going to pay for it. You don't get that for free. Okay. So Very cease true. and desist goes out. They respond as to what the hell's going on here. You let them know. You have mm-hmm. the trademark. Now they can buy in at that point, or they can just stop using it. That's it. Okay. We'll go over that another day. Nice. But thank you. You have a fan base now that is sitting here hearing these things that are appalling to them, but you've had, and I know I'm going to be that guy right now, you've had a club that has been competitive for the last, what, decade? Up until, maybe even longer, until this year. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. From a business standpoint, if I'm a businessman, which I am, and my business is doing really well... And I'm right there at the top of the food chain. I don't really get it. I'm not the top of the top, but I'm right near. I'm in the conversation every year. What's my appetite to go and overspend just because and maybe end up like the Mets or the Padres? Well, that that right there, which you just said, Jamie, that is the dirty little secret that's that's not really a secret. Mm. Fans know. Fans know that the, the ownership group here in St. Louis, they're profiting. Fans know in Seattle, they're profiting. There's no there's no ownership group outside of maybe Oakland, which did it to themselves, that is and, and they're not even losing money. But major if you own a major league baseball team, you're profiting. Nobody's going poor. So that's a dirty little secret that everybody knows about. What? That's the secret that's out in the open. What? These guys ownership is making money. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are making money. How dare they make money? Anthony, if you own a restaurant. Um, are you allowed to make money? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you go and show up to that restaurant, pay your forty bucks for a nice big old fat steak, mm-hmm. and you don't you don't like the price of it, do you walk to the back of the kitchen and tell the cook you don't like it? I don't personally. What do you do? I don't no, go back. No, but somebody does. Yeah, somebody does. But then, I don't go back. Then you just don't go back to the restaurant, right? Right. So the whole theory of well, we pay good money to watch this team. You also pay good money to go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You don't take it upon yourself to complain about the prices, to complain about the chef, to complain. Why not? You're paying money. You're supporting a business. They're making money off of you. Yeah. Because because sports are different. And you know this. You know this, though. But Sport- it isn't. From, from an owner standpoint. From an owner standpoint, no. From a business no. standpoint, there is no difference. You're either right. profitable or you're not. From an owner standpoint. There's a difference between fan and customer, though. Not to the, the owner. Thing. Not to the owner. Not to the owner. But, that's the but fa- to it, me. Who, okay, then. So whose fault is that? Me. It's my fault. It is your fault. Because it's I, all Anthony's fault. It's all my fault, always. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying, Jamie. From an ownership standpoint, you're right. There's no difference between a fan and a customer. It's the same thing. It's a customer. But when I'm rooting for a team, my heart and soul is in that team. Unlike my heart and soul not being in a restaurant, I'll just I go to a different restaurant. You can pick a different business. I don't care what your comparable is. I know, that. but I'm saying this. I'm saying this from my, from from a from our standpoint, uh-huh. from a fan standpoint. I completely agree with what you're saying from an ownership standpoint. Full stop on that. Period. Done. I completely understand and that. And what I'm saying, but I'm not moving on to like the Cardinals were unsatisfactory to me this season. Yeah. I'm already. I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm not going to move on to the Mariners. I'm here. Like I, 
my soul is in this restaurant, to use the analogy. So, like, I keep going back and paying for mediocre steak because my soul, I'm rooting for that restaurant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's the tough part. There's no solution here. There's no solution. Owners are allowed to make money. GMs are allowed to run the, t- the, the, the team the way that they see fit. And, all, and fans have every right to be ticked off. But nothing's really going to change. The problem with the whole theory of going all in, where it's flawed, is that if you go back in the last handful of years and you look at the teams that went all in on a certain player or whatever, there's been a lot of them that have been a that miss. That didn't win, sure. No, from a standpoint of the team didn't do well, or the player didn't play well, or the player got injured. Like Carlos Rodon. We're all at, that's going for it. Let's go for it. I know it's all a hindsight now, but now can you imagine if the Cardinals spent all that money on him? I look at what a disaster. Mm-hmm. But so now what? Well, let's go for it again with a different player. Okay, but we still owe this guy like $150 million over here. So it, it's, like, it's kind of like the car business. Okay, the car business is, and I learned this at a young age, I learned it the hard way. Buying cars is not a good business move. Mm-hmm. You buy a car, you need a good car. Of course, always visit my friends over at Johnny Londoff Chevrolet. They're going to take great care of you. I promise you that. Tell them Jamie Rivers sent you in. Also, Auto Center's Nissan Herculaneum, uh, always there for you. Tell them Stalter sent you. But when I was a young man, I had money. Mm-hmm. A lot more money than I have now. And I went and bought a brand new car. Then like, I was kind of bored with it. About two months later, I went and bought a brand new car. Then I wanted to trade those cars in to get another brand new car. But you haven't paid enough money down yet. So what you're doing is you're, it's bad business. You're now upside down in your business. Yeah. You can't ask somebody to be upside down in their business just because, oh, they spend $150 million on player X, Y, or Z over here. Well, that didn't work out. So you just go throw another 150 over here. But what about the first 150 million? I st- that's still out there too. Mm-hmm. So going forward, every like the Padres are literally upside down. That that franchise is upside down because they've paid players way too much money that haven't performed, and they keep adding more talent with more money wasted. Right. That business, that that, that team is going under in the next couple. They can't. It's not sustainable in San Diego. Sure. And sorry to mix metaphors, but it's almost like buying a house, an expensive house, sight unseen. It's beautiful. It's everything you want. This is, I'm going to pay top dollar for it. Then you get in there and you realize you just bought somebody else's problems. It might not show up in year one. It might show up in year two, but you're, you're, but you're essentially, this is for, this is what free agency is. You're buying a house sight on scene. You're spending top dollar for it. Cause that's what the market says. And then you get in there. It's like, oh, wow. Uh, there's a lot of problems here and you don't get what you pay for. That really is what free agency is. Yet we, yet fans, that is one of the markers, and I've said this for years, Jamie. One of the markers for fans is what do you do in the off season? There are no games. I'm researching. I'm I'm refreshing all my favorite websites. What are my Cardinals doing? They signed somebody. They're trying. Depending on who the player is, they're trying. Yeah. That is one of the markers. Or depending on the player is, they're not trying. It's yes. <laughs> it's jacked up. It is. By the way, Jerry Depoto mentioned winning 54% of the games. Uh, according to Travis Sawchick on X, clubs that have won 54% or more games over the previous 10 seasons 
the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Guardians, the Astros, and your St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, boy. Uh, I wish I was wrong. Oh, boy. People are mad at me. I didn't do it. I'm we, not the problem. We got a text from the 314 saying, this texture feels like they're in an episode of Westworld with John Mosellock potentially uh, being cloned, uh, <laughs> wondering if he has a twin brother in Seattle. What this listener did say is, what I will say is at least the Seattle GM had the guts to say what the cards have been doing for the last decade without actually telling it, but showing it through their actions. Oh, I think we can find quotes from Mo that say similar things. They're hidden a lot better, though. They're hidden a lot They're better. They're Trojan horsed. They are, but he he has been saying it, and I and and here's how I know he's been saying it because we all see it, we're all complaining about the same things, uh-huh. so we know it's there. If you have any mic drops on this very topic, we'd love to hear from you because this is always a hot button issue. Anytime we're talking about a way ways to build a roster, especially with the Cardinals, it's a hot button issue because there's a lot of contradictions. Spend big, but the players often aren't worth it. But it's uh, if they spend, they try. If you're still losing, what does it matter? You know, it's it's interesting. So if you got again, if you got mic drops on it, you want to reach out, great. You can do so via the 101 ESPN app. We're going to tell you what the Blues lineup might look like, and tell you what we think of that starting lineup next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So Lou Korak, who covers the Blues for NHL.com, he, he said uh, he, put, he tweeted out the practice lines for the Blues, and this is how they looked. Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, and Jordan Kairou on the first line. Saad, Shen, and Kapanen on the second. Verona, Hayes, and Belay on the third. Neighbors, Sunquist, and Torpchenko on the fourth line. The defensive pairings included Letty and Pareko, Krug and Falk, Scandella and Tucker, uh, Perunovic, and then Bortuzzo, and of course, Bennington and Hofer are your goaltenders. Yeah. What do, uh, when you look at that lineup, Anthony... If you were kind of trying to decode something with that lineup, because mm-hmm. there was a, two groups that practiced today, this was group two, and this was the lines. What would you? What, what's decoded for you in all this? It it for me, uh-huh. the top three lines have scoring depth, and the fourth one is gritty, big, and it, it's a strong forechecking line. Okay, but I think. The top three, you've got Thomas Shen, Hayes, all guys that are facilitators, and then you've got your scoring on the wings. But for me, it's it is ba- it's a balanced offensive score. It, for, it, the lines are balanced. I like what you're saying, and you're right. But now, yeah. broader spectrum. When you look at this right now, mm-hmm. what are you looking at? I'm looking at the starting lineup. That, for, there you go for game one. This is it. So they had two groups out on the ice today, and I think that Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong have kind of tipped their cap. This will be your four lines, your eight defensemen, your two goalies. All that's missing is the one extra forward. Presumably, in my opinion, be Nathan Walker. Mm -hmm. So that means Alexandrov, McEachern, whoever's left, Callie Rosen, 
these guys probably headed to waivers where teams can claim them or they can be sent down to the American Hockey League. So when I look at this lineup, and neighbors Sunquist Torpchenko, I like it. Is neighbors a fourth liner? I don't know. Ultimately, that's not where I want him to play. And I know that's not where the Blues want. They want him to be somewhere in the in, on the third line. But he hasn't he hasn't seized that yet. Mm-hmm. He hasn't reached out and grabbed it yet. So this is kind of where he finds himself on that line. Uh, what's interesting for me is the way the defensive core broke down. And I'm not saying that Tucker is going to play over Robert Bortuzzo. You know, I think Craig Berube will figure that stuff out. But this is a massive tell for me when you look at this lineup and you see who's on here. Because you, know, you, you had other um, options for your lines, and here's, here's the second group, or the first group that went out there. It was Alexandrov, Walker, McEachern, Zach Dean, Zach Bolduc, Laferriere, Kessel, and Rosen. Those guys are all left in camp, and they'll probably all play in maybe even both games or one of the two games, whatever's left here for the Blues. But this tells me that they're on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see that this early in this early in preseason, but most of the time coaches – you know, they'll have some of these practices, but they'll have some other rogue guys out there. Or they'll have the whole group out there and just kind of make up some lines. So you can see, though, where Craig Berube is headed with this. And, you know, a couple of things that are obvious. Uh, one, Callie Rosen. People are going to look at his goals last year. It was eight goals or nine goals, plus 18. People love Callie Rosen. I hear people talk about it all the time. He can play top four. I've been saying for two years, he's not a top four defenseman. He's a bottom pair. Quite honestly, he's a seventh defenseman. I can say that. You know why? You were a seventh defenseman. I was. There's nothing wrong with it. Kelly Rosen has figured out the talent. The talent is being whatever the team needs. Mm-hmm. I remember going signing with the Detroit Red Wings. You've heard this story before. I had a three-year deal on the table with the Coyotes. I said no. Signed a one-year deal with the Red Wings. What the hell are you doing? My agent said, trust me. This is a team that when they want to sign you, they have a, a defined role for you. I went in. I was a seventh defenseman. I didn't think I was going to play forever. I didn't care. I was like, I'm on the Detroit Red Wings. Darian Hatcher got hurt second game of the season. I played 50 games that year. Mm-hmm. Signed two-year extension. Got my three years anyway. There you go. So Callie Rosen right now, because he's got a two-way contract. Now, it's a hefty two-way contract. He's making 450000 in the minors. Pretty damn good living playing in the minors. However, you're riding the bus and you know, you're staying in the, in the motels, not the five-star hotels anymore, Mm -hmm. but you can waive him. If you lose Callie Rosen, like, no disrespect to Callie Rosen, but you've got another one waiting. You've got Perunovic, you've got Bortuzzo, you've got Tucker, younger guys, not Bortuzzo, but Tucker and Perunovic. Those guys have to clear waivers. Somebody's picking them up. So this is a smart move by the Blues, probably looking at Callie Rosen at 28 or 29, thinking to themselves, he's carrying a heavy price tag for somebody to put him in the minors, probably slide him through. And then if there's injuries or something doesn't work out, we can call them back up. This is why you sign the veteran guy like that. So you're able to do those things. Now, the forward position to me is where it gets really interesting because neighbors does not require waivers at all. So why wouldn't he start in the minors? Well, if, if what you're saying is true and the, the Blues 
want him to be a third line player, not mm-hmm. a fourth line player. Why that that to me would say his development isn't isn't there yet for him to be a third liner. Why not put him in the minors and keep somebody else that wouldn't necessarily clear clear waivers, or you'd be concerned about clearing waivers? They might. They still might. I think the next couple of games are big for Jake Neighbors. I think that he has to show out in the last couple of games here to make them think that the fourth line could be just a stepping stone Mm -hmm. for him. Otherwise, if he doesn't, then you're right, 100% right. Doug Armstrong knows it. Craig Ruby knows it. The development is essential for a young player like that. And when you have other guys that can come in and play that role and they're happy to play seven, eight, nine minutes a game and know that that's kind of their ceiling – that's fine. You slot him in there. Like, you've got McEachern, you got Walker. Those two guys should be somewhere in your lineup. You sign McEachern to a two-year deal, eight hundred grand a year. It's not, it's not a lot by NHL standards, but that's a two-year commitment on a one-way contract. Yeah. Army's not afraid to put that in the minors, but he'd rather have it on his big club. Just feels better to have that. Nathan Walker, I believe, is on a one-way contract this year, seven fifty or eight hundred, somewhere in that range. So again, you'd like to have him, and I like Walker. I'm not sending him anywhere. That guy's full of energy. He's got little hate in him. He's tough as nails. If you're not careful, you'll be spitting your teeth out on the ice without a blink of an eye. I like him a lot. So for me, Jake Neighbors has to play out here in the next couple of games and show that he's ready to play in the NHL and that it's beneficial for him to be in the NHL. It's going to be a tough couple days here. Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong making some of these roster decisions. Tomorrow night, Blues at Stars. Pre-game at 6 o'clock. We'll have have it for you right here on 101 ESPN, your home of the Blues. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, a lot of people were talking about Jordan Bennington's perfor- – not Jordan Bennington, uh, Jordan Montgomery's performance. Binner was pretty good in practice. Bennington was good pra- yeah, in practice. Yeah, in practice lot- yesterday. Well, they, they saw him walking around and said, <laughs> man, he looks good. <laughs> Montgomery, uh, since he obviously pitched for the Cardinals, a lot of people talk about Montgomery's performance yesterday. But there's another pitcher that caught Andrew Marsh's eyes and he, in, in relation to the Cardinals. We'll tell you who that is next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Jamie, uh, Jamie's always coaching. <laughs> Do I share with the people what you uh, what you just shared? Yeah, young absolutely. Andrew Marsh. Well, the people can hear it. What, what I like to uh, like to do is mess with people from time to time. Uh, time to time. Yeah, you know, Anthony. Like when I come in and you haven't said anything, and I tell you your attitude stinks. Yeah, today. yeah. <laughs> so Marshy's doing his sports center update. You and I are talking. We're not paying attention at all. <laughs> totally disrespectful. We're talking to each other. Very true. And Marshy battles through, which I think was a great. Sports that are up yeah, We don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I turned to Marshy. As right. He's done. I go, hey, you know what, Marshy? Not everybody has their best game all the time. I think like, way to battle through that, that update. Yeah. He pauses and goes, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> you did good, kid. You did good. It, it could have been better. I'm always working, you know. I'm of working course, on my yeah. craft. And no doubt. All right. So speaking of, speaking of uh, Andrew Marsh, yesterday, Jordan Montgomery goes out there and deals for Texas, and a lot of Cardinals fans are talking about him because they would love to see Monty come back. That remains to be seen whether or not the Cardinals are going to have an opportunity to get him back. But, um, Marsh, you had your eyes on a, on a different pitcher mm-hmm. that did not pitch for the Cardinals but was on the top of a lot of Cardinals fans' minds in the offseason. Which pitcher was that? Pablo Lopez of the ah, Minnesota Twins, who, who picked up the win dealt. yesterday. Yeah. He did. Uh, didn't go as many innings as Jordan Montgomery. He only went five and two-thirds. However, uh, when you pick up a win for a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in 19 years, mm-hmm. I think you're doing something pretty good. Yeah, big time. So the question is, why didn't the Cardinals acquire Pablo Lopez? What was the asking price again? Chance? Well, with the rumored asking price? I don't remember what the ru- I don't know if... If we ever f- like found out a Cardinals-related trade, I don't know if those details were ever were ever leaked. Like, were they ever even close? Like, we think they had interest, but did they? Well, let's let's go with what we know first. Okay. What did Miami get for Pablo Lopez? Luis Arise. Correct. And I think that's the the we bigger. We could have gave them Brendan Donovan. Ish. You, yeah, you could have. Sure. I, I think the bigger Luis question. Luis won a batting title last year yeah, for the Twins, but got lucky. I think the, the bigger question is not it's not you know why did the Cardinals not get Pablo Lopez? I think now looking forward because you know we can look behind we can look back and be like oh coulda woulda shoulda whatever. But I think now if you want to get a guy like Pablo Lopez, what are you willing to give up? They, the Twins were willing to give up the AL batting champion and now the National League batting champion. They were willing to give that up for yeah, Pablo we, Lopez. We what, don't have that. No, you don't have that. But what does that also say about today's game? Think about that. That pitching, if you don't have anything, if you don't have pitching, you don't have anything. Marsha, I, I, love, I love the pause and Sorry, you nailed I'm it. I'm battling, I, as Jamie no, said. I, I think that's do. great. No, I think what you great. said, obviously I agree with it. because I've glass note. I have said that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but think of <laughs> Quick line change. Get off the ice, Marsha. <laughs> Get the good clear right, seat out there. But think, <laughs> I feel like Jamie when he got the puck and just, just oh nice, I'm gonna dump it in, yeah. and then he gets to the bench. I'm like man, that was a really good play. And then we got Stevie Hull. Y and Holly yeah. saying, hey, we don't do that yeah. here. Yeah. We don't dump this puck in. Right. Right. We don't dump let it in. Let me tell you another. Let me tell you another funny story, real quick. Sorry, Anthony, keep no, your good. thought because yeah. I lose mine. You know, head traumas. All thing. good. Um, playing here for the Blues, and. I believe we were playing against we were playing against the Red Wings and Sergei Fedorov was out there with like Larionov and somebody or other Kozlov like these guys were incredible and 
I remember looking over to the bench. We're in Detroit, so we didn't have last change. I'm on the ice with Al McInnes, my partner. We're good here, right? Everything's fine. I remember like three seconds before the faceoff, Quenville screaming at me, get off, get off, get the puck in and get off, clear it, clear it, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? And Al's like, if we win the face off, he's like, just just get off. I'm like, okay. So we we don't win the face off. And And now you're hemmed. Now now we're, we're not hemmed. We're in the neutral zone, but it's in that gray area of like, can I get to the bench mm-hmm. without compromising my spot? And like Q is like, his face is purple. Get off! Off! Change! <laughs> and I'm like, I can't! <laughs> this guy's in front of me! Was the this second period? Yeah. Oh, what, what side were you on? Uh, we, well, yeah, second period, we were on the bench side. Okay, The okay. faceoff was on the bench side, so I was the farthest player from gotcha, the bench. Gotcha, gotcha. And Al actually switched with me through. He goes, switch! So that now I'm closer to the bench, but I'm playing the wrong side. And Q's just yelling at me. I'm having this argument with Q (laughs) mid-play because he's screaming at me to get off the ice. And then Jimmy's yelling at me, stay on, because he knows if I leave the ice, they're going right up the guts for, like, a breakaway. Yeah. So we battled through, like, 25, 30 seconds. Nothing really happened. We finally get control of the puck, put it in. I get to the bench, and Q's like, I need you to get off. Anytime those players are on, you're nowhere near the ice. <laughs> and I go, I look back at Jimmy. I go, I feel great right now. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's a little uptight. Because those guys are pretty good. <laughs> oh that's awesome. Sorry. That's terrible, were. but that's awesome. That's okay. Uh, it did wonders for my confidence. I'm sure it did, yeah. So going back to Pablo Lopez, you gave up Luis Arise to to get him. Why did you give up Luis Arise? Because he doesn't hit home runs. Minnesota felt comfortable with that. Minnesota knew it was going going to get a pitcher in return. Now Luis Arise went down to Miami and did what he did, did what he did in, my, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He went down there, hit a bunch of singles, hit for high average, and you know was a really good player for them. But Minnesota's willing to sacrifice that. So if we relate this to the Cardinals, one, you don't have a Luis Arise, and two, were you willing to give up young young Pop? Were you willing to give up Nolan Gorman? That's that seems to be the conversation now. Maybe you were at the time, mm-hmm. but now that we know that Nolan Gorman is going to be a stud left-handed power threat for you, I don't think that you give that up. That's that is difficult in today's game. To part with. I don't know why anybody really is in the thought process of giving up Nolan Gorman. I agree. I don't get. I don't get it. I'd be looking elsewhere. It, same. But I guess that's what teams are doing. At the same, the flip side of that is teams are calling specifically for Nolan Gorman. Yes. I mean, if it was Donovan, who as as good as Donovan is, as versatile as he is, you'd make that deal. Mm-hmm. If it's a one on one, it's a Donovan and, and a pitcher. I, I would. I would be willing to make make that move. I have versatility. I don't have pitching. I agree 100%. I need pitching. I have a little bit of lefty pop. I'm not giving up that lefty pop in a deal. So it's an inter- it's it's interesting to look at Pablo Lopez and kind of remember some of the details about the Cardinals being interested in Lopez. But what were you willing to give up at that time? And Lopez goes out and he's he's been great this year. Minnesota's got one of the best starting rotations. And they have pop. That's a good combination when it comes to winning in the postseason. All right, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. I, I, there is a group of people that 
might be the biggest complainers oh. ever. Like, it's bad. Historically bad complainers. Hypocritical, too. Good call. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You guys have got to stop changing Monday Night Picks in the Pick'em Challenge. In case you didn't notice, Jamie keeps switching, making sure you could win, blah, blah, blah. We talked about this yesterday. Now, they said, just because you can switch doesn't mean you should be able to. To quote one of Moon's all-time favorite movies, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. From Loyal Weirdo Joe. Now, we've established that they have no morals over there. They're not doing what's right. Yeah. Who cares what you think? Thanks, Janet. Janet. That was Moon. From where 105 even, the where point. do we begin to unpack this crap, to be honest? Well, let's explain first. Let's explain what they're crying about. Yeah, they're crying, I, I'm angry. They're crying about us switching our picks in the, the NFL Pick'em Challenge before the game starts and before the, the picks are locked because they are locked on the website. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can see what's going on in the game or look at the outcome and then switch your picks. So you can switch your plays leading up to the games five minutes before kickoff. Just like you can in Vegas. Correct. Mm. And in fact, this is more stringent because this is five minutes before kickoff. Yeah. You have to have your pick in. What they're referring to is us switching some picks for Monday night, knowing that we were down. We were down one. We're looking at the game a little bit more. We've been up, too, and switched them. We've been up and we've switched. I Listen, there's certain things that I look at and I'm like, I don't like my pick now. My, I make my pick sometimes on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. By the time Monday rolls around, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Right. So we're looking at the plays and all that. And some of us, some of us switched for Monday. Some of us switched last Monday. But Jamie, I thought you used the appropriate word there when we were teasing this upcoming segment. You used the word hypocrite. Why? Well, Anthony, the funny thing is, is in looking at their picks for the first couple of weeks, when they were down, amazingly enough, Hmm. they all ended up on the same pick for the Monday Nighter Hmm. when they didn't start that way. I have snapshots. I took snapshots because I knew they were going to try some crap. I have photos of their original picks and then a photo of all of them lined up on the same team. Well, why, well, well, they moon. Well, why is it okay for you guys to do it? Because it's them. It's always the same stuff with moon. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. Even when you talk about the home run derby, last year's pick him, he always finds something that he thinks is just irreprehensible. Like Mr. Righteous himself. Right. Like he he's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. He even said last week. Ugh. Which is great, right? Like, they all switched to, I think it was the Rams game. It was the Rams and Bengals. Yeah, they overloaded. They all overloaded on the Rams. And you know what Moon said the next day, the next morning? I told you guys the Bengals were going to win, but we needed to do that. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So not only was, not only did he participate 
in switching the picks, which you're now accusing us of doing. But he also told his own teammates how right he was before that game. Of course he is. Because he's he's got the right pick. He's got the right strategy. Yeah. We have the wrong strategy. Mm. We're cheaters. We're cheating. They're not. Talked about himself in the third person there, which was kind of interesting. Kind of weird. But I I just laugh because guess what, Anthony? I switched my pick on Monday night this week. Do you know what happened? Yeah, you lost. I picked the wrong team. Right. And where are you right now? Uh, first place. First overall. place overall. Second night, second or third, and like the out of everybody, yeah, yeah. not a big yeah. deal. Third overall. So if I'm switching my pick, I probably have a pretty good idea right now about what I'm doing. Yeah, I would say so. Out of every, out of all the teams, yeah. out of the two teams. So this is why it's just whining and hypocritical. And honestly, I can't wait tomorrow. They're talking about we'll talk about this tomorrow. First, bring it on, Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Second of all, what are you going to say? Wait, they're doing the same thing. Marshy, pack this audio along with their audio for mm-hmm. tomorrow. Okay. And have Bradford ready on the on the button so that they can hear all this crap. So Riz also chimed in, and I thought what he said was kind of interesting as well. It shows no skill to be the last person to change your pick before the pick's Close for Monday night. Yeah, no integrity with the game, which is what we were it's worried about inte- beforehand. It's, it's not even integrity. But it is integrity of the game li- because it's, it's an NFL pick'em challenge. We're trying to pick the teams that we think are going to win. Right. And they're just playing. They're just playing strategy, and it has nothing to do with. Has nothing to do with picking games. It's just blocking. Yeah. It's a simple math thing and blocking the other team out. I, nothing to do with the NFL. Right. Nothing to do with sports. Nothing to do with fandom. Nothing to do with. They should pick be ashamed. Them. I'll be honest. And we get uh, some support from the text line. Uh, it says uh, they literally discussed changing their picks the morning before the first Monday night game. Week they one. set the precedent. Yeah. Week one yeah. is what is when they did that. But now it didn't work for them. Didn't work for Moon. Didn't Correct. work for them. So now it's illegal. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to just pick the rules for like anything in life? <laughs> like I don't like speed I don't like speeding tickets. I'm just gonna drive as fast as I want. Mm-hmm, well mm-hmm. you can't do that. Oh yes, I can. I'm just changing the rules. Right. But you have to follow them. Yeah, but you have to drive the speed limit. So last last week, this is the game I'm talking about, Rams and Bengals, right? If you if you go to their their plays, they were all on the Rams. Every single one of them. Do you think they started that way, Anthony? No. They did not. They all flipped to the Rams. An underdog on the road. In Cincinnati mm. on Monday night. They Why did all, they have to do that, though? Because they were losing. But Moon thought the Bengals were going to win. If that's the case, why did he pick the Rams? Uh, I think that because uh, there's no skill involved and it's just strategy and it's just math and it's just blocking people out. It, the integrity oh. of the game is yeah. it's insane. But isn't that something? Mm-hmm. The behavior, quite honestly, you give me your answer with your behavior. Right. And that tells me everything I need to know. So... This is also Riz, and uh, we got a response to this, too. So Riz continued. You can't go in and, like, switch your players around. On Sunday, when That's the rich. Sunday game starts, you're locked for the I day. Like that. And that, and that yeah. carryovers to Monday night. Just let it be. Let I it, feel like whoever developed whatever system we're using never watched football. No, Like, no. never watched football, and somebody maybe, maybe told them what football is like. Mm-hmm. And, all right, I'll, I'll develop it. I developed it. Well, let it show, let it reflect that uh, before this was even possible, all the switching and the crappy app and all that kind of stuff, uh, we won. We're undefeated when it comes to what? just straight up NFL pick them who's better. Undefeated. Real strategy. You know what you know what the How are they undefeated? Hold on. You know what the uh 
Well, because he because because Moon's only counting the one time they won. Talk about delusional. The only time they won, Moon's counting. That's it. That's when the, that's when it counts. That's oh, when it's like real. the home run derby again. Correct. Right? Where they were down by like seven or eight home runs and thought, oh, we still didn't lose. Right. Okay. Good one. Do you know? So we're we're up three to one right now mm-hmm. against well, the Richard. Actually, we're losing one nothing. Right, because the yeah. only their wins count are stone. Yeah, yeah. Marsh, you're getting it. So we're up three one on the Rizzuto show. Had we just played, you know, Sunday, everything locks, including the Monday night games. Do you know what the record would be? Same as three it is and now. one. Three and one. Yep. Three and one. We won week one going into Monday night. We would have won week two going into Monday night and week three. The only game, the only week that we would have lost was last week. Which I switched picks to the loser. Right. And so it didn't you know matter. What? I did too. Hey, we could talk about this tomorrow. I thought Danny Dimes was going to have it was in New York. It actually set up perfectly for the Giants to win that game. Anthony, don't blame yourself. I talked I you asked into you. it. I said I talked you into it. How do you feel about the Giants? I said I like them a lot. Yeah. The line doesn't make sense. So, talking, and you switched. Talking about like strategy. There's no strategy. The strategy is knowing the football game and the players and having an idea of what you think can happen. Right. Here's what the here's what the strategy is is to win. Right, to win the, the rules are set. We never had a discussion. Oh, we need to set the time and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That was never that was never discussed. Right, the rules are the rules. You want to complain about technology? You can go and be one of those people. That's fine. I'm not going to complain about the technology. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set my team. And although I haven't been doing all that great, Jamie has. He's been picking us up. He's carrying us. He's his carrying us. His back but you know him. what? Maybe one week Jamie won't and one of us will. Sure. That's what a team That's does, exactly right? We don't happen. point fingers at each other and we no. definitely don't point fingers at other people. What we do is we win. And well, that is what this team is about. And Damn one more right. thing. One more thing I didn't like from Scott Rizzuto. And I expect more out of him. I respect Riz a lot. I do. He's got a tremendous family, great kids. He's a great guy himself. But what I didn't like, and look, every human being is flawed. It happens. I didn't like Riz blaming the app. I didn't like him blaming the app, saying, well, it's just, it's, the app is, it sucks. Because you can, mm-hmm. I, you know, you don't blame the bat. You don't blame your stick when you miss a one-timer on the power play. You don't blame the ice when you lose. You don't blame, like, yeah, no. Everybody's out there playing on the same turf, mm-hmm. the same ice, the same baseball field. We're all dealing with the same thing here. So Riz, just a little bit of advice, just be better. Well, okay, buddy, I love you. Riz, Riz is listening right now. He's been sending us some te- some some nasty text messages. Wow. So, yeah, he's That's... he's doubling and tripling down. He's saying some nasty things. We'll settle this tomorrow. <laughs> Scott Air Force Base. We'll be we'll be live from two to six. We're doing a podcast with We're setting them. Setting up a cage for us. We're gonna do the cage fight at some point. But we're going to be down there doing a podcast with them. We do it every year. We put aside our differences for Scott Air Force Base and the fan and, and, and the listeners that that uh, whether you're live or listening there, we do this every year. So if they want to lock picks and no flipping and do it that way, fine. Yeah, but then Anthony, we're not even. Then we're not using. That's fine. Like, no, we're catering to them. Yeah, I'm not that's about fine. That. I'm not going to cater no, to them no, because they're I losing. I don't care. They don't like I don't it. care. We're gonna we're gonna beat them no matter what. Anthony, if they don't like it, they can flex their big Riz Show money and go develop their own app that doesn't let us flip the picks. This is the tush push. Thank you. This is the tush push. What'd you call us? No, the tush push. Oh, you know, we were working on. 
Every yeah. other team, well, let's try the tush push. Oh, we can't do it because we're not good at it. But right. well, let's just let's get rid of the it then. Let's blame the Eagles. They're winning. They know how to do it. I'm oh, just saying. Boo-hoo. I'm just saying the wood the woodshed is already set up, guys. Mm-hmm. So I don't care under what circumstances we bring them to the woodshed and bury them. We're taking them to the woodshed no matter what. We'll see you, Riz. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Stop complaining. For once. In your lives, stop complaining. All right? Just own it. Just, Just own it. Hey, Riz, do better. Oh, boy. Ouch. <laughs> Blues defenseman, who's in, who's out? That's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The Blues defenseman, who's in, who's out? So we talked about this earlier in the show, talking about the the, the pairings according to Lou Korak and what the lineup was um, earlier today at practice. Krug, Falk, Scandella, Tucker, and actually, sorry, I missed the, the top one. Letty, Pareko, then Krug, Falk, then Scandella, Tucker, Perunovic, Portuzo. Those were the those were the defensive pairings. So when you look at those defensive pairings, Jamie, what do you think? Who's in? Who's out? What does this mean for yeah playing time? It's I think it's pretty self-explanatory right now. I think that there's a real war for ice time in the bottom two. You got your top four guys, and they should be the top four guys. All the talk that I hear, whether it's just people or other shows or anywhere on the internet, all the talk I hear about, like, Scandella or Tucker playing in the top four. Perunovic being a top two defense. Guys, people, listen to me for a second. They're good players. They're not ready for that yet. Tucker, he may never profile to be a top four defenseman. Guess what? It's okay. Doesn't mean he can't have a really good NHL career. Trust me. (laughs) You don't have to profile as a top four defenseman. And I understand that people like what he brings to the table. He's big, he's physical, he's got a good stick, all these things. But it's a whole different world when you're playing against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon. Go through your list of number one lines in the NHL night after night after night. It's really difficult. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult. So let's just leave the top four as it sits right now because you're, you're going to live or die with your top four defensemen this year. You have to. These guys are making good money. They're on good contracts. They have solid resumes. They had an off year last year, and I will spare Justin Falk. I thought he had a pretty good year. Uh, really great offensive numbers, pretty solid defensively. Your best all-around defenseman last season. You're going to need him to play that way even a little bit better. So that's it. So let's ignore the top four defensemen because we already know what the expectations are for those guys, and we already know they have no trade clauses. Yeah. We know why, because we tried. Said, nope, not today. So 
The bottom two, as it sits right now, is a competition between Scandella, Tucker, Perunovic, Bortuzzo, and Callie Rosen still on the roster. I think the Blues carry eight defensemen for the simple fact that all eight guys that I just mentioned uh, without Callie Rosen all have to clear waivers. And so, has anybody completely outplayed Marco Scandella? Not yet. Has anybody outplayed Bortuzzo, or does anybody bring to the table what Bortz does? Not right now. Not right now, right? Like, not yet. Like, people argue all the time, well, that Tucker, he's younger and he does the same stuff as Bortz. Listen, let's show a little respect to Robert Bortuzzo here. He plays that bottom pair very well. He's a big body. He blocks shots. He's good on the penalty kill. And he's a right-handed shot. And we went through this a couple of years ago when we had Justin Falk, Alex Petrangelo, and Colton Pareko, and, and Robert Bortuzzo. We had too many right-handed shots. We were playing Falk on the left side, Petra on the left side. So right now you got Scandella and Tucker, two left-handed shots, playing in the same pairing. Is it going to stay that way? I don't know. But if Craig Berube wants some kind of a rotation in his bottom two defensemen, at some point you're going to end up with two left shots in there because Rosen's a left-handed shot, Perunovic is, Scandella is, and Tucker is. The only guy who's a right-handed shot is Robert Bortuzzo. So if you're doing a rotation, at some point you need... You'll have two lefties out there. you got to figure out who can play the right side the best for you. So when I look at the overall picture of this defense core, it, it, it is a battle. I think Tucker has to do exactly what he was signed to do. If he veers off the course and tries to play too much offense or tries to be too um, creative at times, it's going to cost him. The other night, because pick, pocket picked, taking too much time with the puck. Craig Brubley talks about all the time. Move the puck. Move the puck. On your stick, off your stick. There's a reason for that. Guys are pretty good at stealing the puck from you. So Tucker has to bring that to the table. Scandella has to stay healthy. When he's healthy, especially last year when he was healthy, he was playing really well. I remember when he first first came over from, who was it, Montreal? They got him from Montreal in a trade a couple of years ago. Uh, Yes. He was solid. Well, he he was was... so solid he got a contract. Right, right. But then he's had some speed bumps, whether it's been play or health. But last year when he came in to the lineup, healthy, played very well was really good on the penalty kill, was playing more aggressive than he did before. Then he got hurt again. So it's tough to create that momentum. And he's carrying a $3.2 million salary cap hit right now. If he doesn't outplay some of those other guys, does Army explore the waiver wire with somebody like that? Here's Craig Berube on those competing for the extra roster spot right now. Well, yeah, I think, you know, they've all competed hard here. And, um, you know, we still have two games left, so... They're going to get a look still. It's, you know, like I said, like those are still conversations that uh, we have to have and uh, we will. You know, it's, again, competition's competition, right? And we'll see what happens. There you have it. I mean, look, Chief knows. Chief was a fourth-line player. And, and everybody thinks, oh, he was one of the toughest guys in the NHL. He was. But every year there was a group of guys coming in to take his job. Yeah. Every year there was the next Craig Berube the next Bob Probert, the next Tony Twist, all coming in to try and take his job. Chief had to outplay them. He had to out-battle them. He had to dominate those guys. So he knows right now that the guys who are on the outside looking in, go earn it. Go steal it. Make it so that it's obvious. Because when it comes to you know waivers and keeping guys and whatnot, when you make it easy for people, like if you make a low salary or you're on a two-way contract, 
and you don't separate yourself from the pack in a positive way, you're making it easy for them to waive you. Mm-hmm. You make it easy. Okay, well, he didn't do much. Oh, well, let's waive him. Yeah. He didn't outplay so-and-so. Okay, let's waive him. That's kind of the nice part about having – I know that it seems convoluted right now, but it's one of the nice things about having so much depth at the bottom and having guys that are both veterans like Bortuzzo or Scandella – fighting with younger guys that are just trying to stay in the league or on the roster or young guys that are trying to carve out bigger opportunities for themselves like Scott Perunovich, you have this nice blend. Mm -hmm. So it really does come down to who took the job, which is what you've been preaching now for a while. You, You force that healthy competition at the bottom of your roster. It's not bad to do it at the top, too. But it's a little nicer to have guys that they know their roles, they know what the, what's expected of them in efforts to win to win games each and every night. But when it comes to the bottom of the roster, I think the Blues and, Ar- and Army have created this healthy competition. Guys are going to have to earn it. Yeah, and if I'm the coaching staff, after what happened last year with this team, if you're not out there earning it, if you're not out there making me turn my head and watch you play and circling your number and talking about you in the coaches' meeting, you're in I don't need you. Yeah, I don't. I had those guys. Mm-hmm. Or some of those guys last year. Didn't work. So I, this is where I'd like to grab young players and shake them. Be like, you don't know what's going on here. Like, You don't see it. You don't see it. Like, this could be your last freaking training camp. Right. It could be gone. Like, this is your last chance, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe your only freaking chance. You might still get sent to the minors. That's fine. But don't get sent down without giving it everything you had. And I see that times, and there's, you know, shift on, shift off. Block a shot, miss a shot. And I'm like, come on. Nah, man. Give it everything you got. Consistently. That competitive consistency. This team needs it first and foremost, and the individual needs it as well to stay in the league and continue this whole journey. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. We've got a Stalter stack up. The the top eight spots I feel pretty good about. Nine, ten, just revolving door. I'm interested to hear what Marsh and Jamie have to say about the the bottom two spots are in the top ten, although I think both guys are going to like each team respectively. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Stalter Stackup, the top ten teams in the NFL from the mind of Anthony Stalter. From the shaky mind of Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie, you know what I'm talking about. Seriously. All right, Marshy, hit me. I wish. Do oh, <laughs> so you want to start with number one <laughs> or number, number one. 10? Did yeah. you say that out loud? You did. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> number one. San Francisco 49ers. They've been my top team every single week in the Stalter stack up. No, no need to change anything. They haven't really been tested thus far, but they're taking care of business, man. Their, their point differential is plus 67. It's the second highest in the NFC behind, believe it or not, the Dallas Cowboys, plus 83. But the Cowboys, when they have won, they have won big. So I guess that would make sense. But San Francisco beats you in a multitude of ways. Last week, they didn't have Brandon Ayuk, and it didn't matter because Debo Samuel went off. Debo Samuel didn't play much this week because of, of, of an injury. They got Ayuk back, and 
it didn't really matter because Christian McCaffrey took over the game. Defense outstanding. They're the best team top to bottom, in my opinion. So they're number one. Number two. I still have the Eagles. Number two. The Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles struggle a little bit. Nice nothing job, Marsh. But, nothing but professional here. No, no kidding. Whatever the Washington <laughs> Commanders are doing to the Eagles. Study the blueprint if you're other teams because the Commanders beat them last year. They almost beat them in Philadelphia on Sunday. But while the Eagles haven't really turned it up thus far, they're, they're not firing in all cylinders, I think that's kind of a good thing. You've got, at the very least, it's explainable. You lost both your coordinators. And with the way the teams, the respective teams are playing under those current coordinators, they being Shane Steichen and Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon, the Colts and the and the Cardinals are playing much better than anyone thought. So you lose those two coordinators, there's going to be a little bit of a transition. Does your transition look like a mess, or are you 4-0 like the Eagles are? So I still got the Eagles, too. Number three. Number three, I got Kansas City. I know that some people are a little nervous about the way that the offense has performed. I'm not. When you look at... The way Patrick Mahomes played on Sunday, very sloppy. But when the game was on the line, that he saves his his best for last. The receivers, you don't get a lot of separation. Like Sky Moore, I think he's more of a gadget guy. Kadarius Tony, more of a gadget guy. You, you've got some question marks there. But as long as Travis Kelsey is healthy and Mahomes is healthy and Isaiah Pacheco is healthy, your your offense is going to be fine. Defensively, I really like what I've seen out of the Chiefs. Zach Wilson probably played his best game as a Jet, but the defense still still came to play. And I, I think that defense, as long as it's it, it's as young and it continues to develop, I think Kansas City's going to be a beast. Number four. Buffalo. You could make the case that the Bills have put together a better resume thus far than, than Kansas City, but I'm still paying Kansas City, the defending champion, the respect to be at least, at least third on my list. But Buffalo... Took care of business against Miami. The team speed that Buffalo has on defense really matched up well with Miami's team speed offensively. But the key to me is Josh Allen not running around trying to throw a touchdown pass or when you're down you know, one score, try to get everything back on one play. He has played within himself, and you saw an MVP candidate on Sunday. And I love how they're getting James Cook involved too. So Buffalo's number four. Number five. I only dropped Miami to five. This is still a team that's, that's going to be a beast. Their defense, nowhere near what I thought it was going to be. The defense has really struggled. But I don't care that it's the Denver Broncos. You're hitting 70 on a team, and you could beat teams in a, in a multitude of ways. You got to respect that. And anybody going, this is, that, was their third, that was their third road game in four weeks. They're going to start packing, start to compile the home games. When you start going down to South Beach, that's going to make a difference. So I think Miami being still in the top five, despite the the, the dud that they laid against Buffalo, um, I, th- I still think that's that's accurate or respectable. Number six, I got the Cowboys. Good bounce back performance. Not much to say on them. You know they they stubbed their toe out in Arizona. They came back. Their defense played outstanding again. Mac Jones and the Patriots are a disaster offensively, but Dallas took care of business at home, so I got them at six. Number seven. Our Detroit Lions, number seven. I'm a little shocked you don't have them a little higher. Fair. Where would you put them? They, Honestly, did, beat, they did beat the Chiefs, but I don't, I don't do the, the match, the, the head-to-heads. I, would I don't solely at, do the head-to-heads. I would put them at five. So ahead Certainly of, ahead of the Cowboys. Ahead of Miami. 
I don't see why not. They beat the Chiefs. Yeah, they they kind of sort of laid an egg against the Seahawks, but have totally rebounded since that. Yeah. Put an absolute beating on the Packers. Mm-hmm. They're not better than the Dolphins. I think if the if the, I think if those two teams met, it would be an interesting it'd be an interesting battle. But I think I Miami's think got the, the team the speed. So. I thought Do you were on play? board, Anthony. I am on board. Uh, you're not really. Well, I mean, I, I still. Gotta, I don't really feel it. I still right? respect that. I don't feel it. And I'm, I, I'm just a. I'm a third party here. I know. Andrew's a third party, and he's not feeling it. It's your job to make him feel it, Anthony. All right. Uh, Very well said. Give me number five. You're welcome. Number five. Got to put the lions up there. <laughs> That's you know what. You got to put the lions there. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I should put them higher than this, but that is ridiculous. That that defensive front looks outstanding thus far under uh, under Aaron Glenn. Uh huh. The offense is still firing all cylinders. How about David Montgomery going off? He had never beaten the Packers in his career because he played for the Bears, but he 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 puts on a show. <laughs> Uh, for Detroit, and they're going to get back local product, Jameson Williams, soon. And they have this week barely event. handed the ball off yet to their young phenomenon. <laughs> no, they don't use him. Th- they will. It took him 13th overall, I think, they and they're will. like... Did you see the uh, stats the other day? Was um, He actually has more carries at this point of his first year than Christian McCaffrey had when he played for the Panthers. Oh, really? So they didn't use him either, huh? Panthers? No, they slow played him. <laughs> what kind of crap is this? Yeah, I got the Lions five. Jamie's right. I got to be on board. Then Miami, then Dallas. So uh, why don't you give me number eight there, Marsh? <laughs> number eight. Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. I like the way Lamar Jackson's playing. I think people are expecting, oh, new offensive coordinator. You talked about him all year well, you or did. all offseason. You did. They should be scoring 40. It's not how it works. 30 would be nice. The, the way that Lamar is playing, though, this this style will will help them in the playoffs. You don't need him reckless abandon every single game trying to trying to do the Josh Allen thing putting on the highlights play within the offense and that's that is what he's doing they need to they need to stop turning the damn ball the the, the uh, ball over Minnesota Vikings style in opponent territory if they stop doing that I think that's when you'll start to see some of those eye-popping numbers but overall Baltimore that's the team to beat in the AFC North I got them at eight number nine I got Marsha's Seattle Seahawks what <laughs> he loves the Seahawks. He's got him win. He, he had him win the NFC West. Yeah, you like you love him. He did have that. Don't say that I love that. That's them. unfortunate. I'm not. I, I'm not a huge Seattle fan. But look, the, the, you've got all the skill position players. Geno's playing well. I love Kenneth Walker. They can run the ball. They got explosive plays. Geno's playing well in that offense again. I don't. I don't think the defense is great, but when you get 52 sacks in one game, you gotta you gotta give them some some love there. Yep. Uh, so Seattle nine, number ten, Jamie's Buccaneers. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yes. I I don't believe in them. I think I they're smoking. I don't smoke- believe what I just saw. I think they're smoking mirrors. But here's the other thing. I can't list the Packers ten. They 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 stunk. I don't. I mean, Brandon Staley is going to lose more games to the Chargers than he wins, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want them ten. I had Cleveland here, I think, last week, but Cleveland's dealing with with a bunch of injuries on offense, so that's an issue. And then you know, I'm not going to put the Jags in front of the Texans. The Texans whooped them two weeks ago, and I think Houston's pretty good. And that was the team that I said like deep sleeper. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're a lot. They're, they're better than people think. They're way better than I even thought. 
So I could put Houston at 10, but I'll pay Tampa some respect. They got a great defense. Show some respect. Baker Mayfield's playing very well. So I'll give I'll give them a little love and put them 10. Thank you. Outside of the Lions, which I've corrected, mm-hmm. any other any other issues with the top 10? Uh, Would you guys have Packers, Chargers, Browns, Jaguars, or Texans in your top 10? No. no okay. That's kind of where I was at. And nobody else. I mean, like some people would say, well, maybe the Chargers 10. Brandon Staley's going to lose your games. He tried to lose the last two yeah. games that they won. <laughs> Insane. He sure has. Uh, from a talent standpoint, they're a top 10 team. Would you fire the coach even after yes. he won? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can I've you imagine? seen enough. Hey, congratulations on the win. Pack your stuff. You're out of here. See ya. Absolutely. <laughs> Are we All done right. with the show? I, uh, I, I got excited. There. Oh no, yeah. no, sorry. Yeah, no, the Blues got a pregame tonight that no, I didn't know no, about. No, no, no. Uh, guys, full show, full show today. Oh, when I, when okay. I gave the C, I gave uh, Brandon Staley the C, not, uh, not you guys. Okay, yeah, you my need bad. to be somewhat a confused. Bit more. Yeah, no, my bad. Transparent uh, on that one. That's on me. Attention, Scott Air Force Base for service members, their families, and anyone currently on base. You can join us tomorrow, Fast Lane, this uh, this Thursday for a special military appreciation live broadcast. We'll be out there from two to six. It's a special Fast Lane military appreciation live broadcast again, two to six at the Exchange at Scott Air Force Base. It's all brought to you by Budweiser Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. And uh, we've got a bone to pick with the Riz Show. They were complaining again. We talked about that earlier. So. Uh, we'll see them out there again tomorrow, but we hope hope to see you too. We're already getting criticisms and compliments. You've already confused the listeners. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's nice, though. They know. you got to be way more careful with your tagline, okay? It's just reckless. That's the first time I've done that, too. I know. So makes me wonder if you're in it or not today. I totally am. I yeah. know you're signing off already. Mm. It's 326. Time check brought about, to you by Clarkson Jewelers, <laughs> provider of Rolex jewelry. Jamie's taking over. You're at the rest like of the 54% way. right now. That's 54%. What yeah. yeah. Apparently, that's good enough. That's apparently. apparently, a lot of MLB teams. I speaking of the MLB, speaking of MLB, MLB offseason top 10 bold predictions. The postseason is not over. In fact, it just started, but we're going to give you some bold predictions next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Our bold predictions for the MLB offseason. MLB offseason, top 10 bold predictions. There was a, an article put together by uh, John Harper of SNY.TV, 10 bold predictions. That really features on, because it's a New York-based website, that really focuses on the Mets and Yankees. But there's a couple of interesting ones in there, including... And this is this this is localized somewhat with the NL Central, but the Mets hiring Craig Council. There's there seems to be enough building that Craig Craig Council is going to be out in Milwaukee, and he's going to go to go on to maybe a, a bigger market such as New York. So I think that one's very interesting. And of course, the Brewers losing last night to the Diamondbacks, so they're facing elimination already. So that could be that could be one thing to follow in the NL Central, but. If you guys were to have your your top bowl prediction for the Cardinals, what would it be? 
Wow, bold prediction? Bold. Okay, so if I'm being bold and a little bit irrational, Cardinals sign both Nola and Blake Snow. Okay. Ooh. I mean, there is talk of them signing two, well, it should be more than two, but two high-end pitchers. You know, we haven't heard of, like, two aces, but my bold prediction is that the Cardinals just throw money around like nothing before. And Snell and Nola are one, two in the rotation. Pick your poison. Whoever's one, whoever's two, doesn't matter. Wow. Like the Mets. Yeah. But younger. One of my bold predictions is that the Cubs will outbid the cards for a pitcher this offseason. Which pitcher? Uh, I feel like it could be like a Sunny Gray, like a Sunny Gray type. It won't be like the top guy, mm-hmm. but I could see it being like a Sunny Gray. Okay. Mine is that the Cardinals sign or trade for three pitchers, and they don't. Then they and they don't have one of those internal competitions for the last spot in the rotation. That is that is something that I feel like they're going to do. It's very bold because it is Cardinals ask. Like you sign somebody or you sign two two pitchers, and then you say, "We like our internal options. We'll we'll see what happens there with the fifth option." That would be a very Cardinals esque thing to do. So my bold prediction is they don't do that, and instead they sign or trade for three different pitchers, veteran guys, and they actually fill out the rotation. I don't like yours. <laughs> I think you do, but you don't you don't see it happening. No. I don't. Okay. Well, I don't see yours happening. So, well, I, it's bold. <laughs> it is bold. You didn't say realistic. Ah, you're right. What about this one? The cards don't trade any position players. I know that doesn't really bode well with what you said, but mm-hmm. could you see that happening? Where they feel like yeah. they might get screwed again for getting rid of one of their position players, like they did with Randy Rosarena. Yeah, I could see that. I could. I could. I could also say them saying. We love our offense. We're just going to fix the. We're just going to pour all of our resources into the pitching. Exactly. So we don't need. Essentially, we don't need anything offensively. And I'm not saying that's that's the case. But from their their viewpoint, they may say our offense is set. Our bench is set. We like what we have. We're pouring all of our resources into pitching. So I could see that happening. I I keep saying that Shohei Otani is going to go to the the Dodgers, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bold prediction. So I'll give you a bold, bold-ish one. Mm-hmm. It's not the Dodgers; it's the Giants. Oh, I got a different one. Would he do that though, with them not really having structure right now? Well, they don't have a, a manager. Well, they will. I uh, pr- presumably they'll hire the manager before they right. bring in but Shohei. How? How? Like? How much does that factor in to his decision? Uh, I don't know. Plus, they weren't a playoff team. Like if I'm looking, if I'm Shohei Otani, I'm wanting to go to a, a team that is competitive all the time. The Giants, yeah, they were in the playoffs a few years ago, yeah. but they haven't been back since. Like, no. What direction are they going in? And does that does that team, the way that they're made up, does that fit what he's looking for? Because that's a team full of nobodies. Well, who? So the Yankees didn't make the playoffs. The Mets didn't make the yeah, playoffs, that's fair. So, so, it's, got, so it's like the Dodgers, and that's it. I've who got, I think is who, who I who I've been saying is going to. I thought they were going to trade from the deadline. They didn't even trade for. They didn't even well, trade they him. Let him go. So 
I think number one would be the Dodgers. I disagree. I think the Mets. Okay, and but the reason that would that would still fit into Marsh's. I know, but I don't care about that right now. I I look at what the Mets are doing. They brought in a brand new president of baseball operations. They're going to have a new manager. So the selling point for Shohei is, look, now we've actually got real baseball people in the positions to do this. Uh, Steve Cohen himself has said, I'm removing myself. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I got the money. I'm out. I'll do with the money what he says to do. And the Mets have also said that they're not eyeballing next year, the upcoming season. They're looking at the following year. So that fits into where Otani could bat next year and do his thing as a DH, and then he comes back as a pitcher for the following year, and the Mets continue to build and retool that roster so that they can make a real run at it. So I, and the market is massive. The New York market mm-hmm. for a guy like Shohei Otani, like that's massive. Is that a great selling point for one of the best players in baseball to say, "Hey, by the way, we're not probably we're probably not going to make the playoffs next year." Yeah, but we're going to give you will next year. But we're going to give you year. exactly what you want, even though you're half the player right now. What if what he wants is to win? Okay, so that limits that limits his market. That also suppresses what the agent could ask for because of of the the limited market. Where mm-hmm. do you have him going? I think the Dodgers are a good a good fit. I think what they did this past year sort of shows that they are saving up for Otani mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, I saw on on Twitter that maybe the Cubs would be interested in Otani. I think the Mets are probably one of those teams that are interested in him. I know Seattle's interested in Otani. A lot of teams are, but like I think every so, team in the league is interested for yeah. sure. But like. The teams that are actually going to pay the piper, exactly. So when you uh, look, I agree. He he's been stuck with the Angels now, not making the, he had made the playoffs and all that. So I agree with you that he'll he'll want to go to a contender. Mm-hmm. If we just go with the playoff teams from this year, Baltimore is highly unlikely to spend that money. Correct. Tampa, we know will not. I doubt Toronto will. Does he want to play? You know, in Toronto. I don't know. Watch your mouth. Minnesota will not. Yeah, uh, Minnesota definitely won't spend it. Houston won't spend it. Mm-hmm. Texas. That's the one team. I Texas think. could be interesting mm-hmm. if they're willing to back up the Brinks truck for another offseason. They've signed Corey Seager. They signed Marcus Simeon. They signed John Gray. They signed Degrom, who is not obviously who's not pan- panned out. The Braves are, uh, you know, they've they're they're loaded. They don't they don't. You always need a Shohei Otani player, but yeah, but they're probably not going to back up the Brings truck, right. knowing the money they have committed elsewhere. Philly, same deal. Miami won't. Milwaukee won't. The Dodgers are the logical fit, and then there's Arizona. Like if he wants to go to a contender, that list is going to be very short. I think. Which is why is it, the re- one of the reasons I brought up the Giants is let's let's go back to this at this past offseason. They thought they thought they were signing Aaron Judge. Turns out they only signed Arson Judge. That's yeah, right. and then Aaron one. Judge went back to the Yankees. Arson Judge not that good. I heard he got DFA'd immediately. Yeah, they thought they had Aaron. They're like, who's yeah. this guy? And why he, did we pay him that much? He was on fire in spring training, and then right. So they DFA'd him. Then they 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 thought they had Carlos Correa signed, and they did. Well, mm. the they didn't like what they saw mm. in terms of the medicals. They've been trying to hand, trying to give away their money now. They the last offseason was supposed to be the time where they say, "Hey, let's let's do this. Let's go all in." And instead, they came up empty. So, 
kind of an interest, interesting team. All right, well, maybe we'll do this. Uh, we'll, we'll do this a couple times throughout the course of the of the the we'll offseason. Plenty of time. We'll have plenty of time. Unfortunately, with the Cardinals out of it. Sports six pack is next. So if you get a question via the Air Comfort Service text line, great. That's three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. Or if you want to check out our Air Alliance team YouTube channel at 101 ESPN SDL and leave a comment in the comment section, you could do that there too. Sports 6 back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, here is Andrew Marsh with your questions for the Sports Six Pack. All right, from the 314, is winning a good business model in baseball? I feel like the market dictates financial success more than the on-field product does. Define winning. Do you want to win as a business, or do you want to win, like, baseball games? Because they're two different things. Like, because right now the Padres, if they go on to win the World Series, do they really do they have a winning business model? They have a winning team, but do they have a winning business model? Yeah, I don't know. So define winning. Right. Because teams that have the greater profit margins who make the most money, I bet you those owners feel like they're winning. They're winning. Their bank yep. account's winning. Mm-hmm. But they may have a second-place team. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? It depends on what you're, who you're looking at. Yeah. Who, which, what are you look? What what prism are you looking looking through? You're right. If it's the ownership group and they're profitable, they, they're probably saying they're winning. For, from a fan base standpoint, it depends on how fanatical you are. There's a lot of people that feel if you're not winning a championship or not going all in every single year, then their team is not trying. Even though that's unrealistic, you can't always go after the top free agents. Eventually, you're going to be like the Padres have been, either trading for those guys or signing those guys, and you don't have the right mix of players, and you still lose. Yeah. So that's not necessarily the the, the right way to go about it, but I know a lot of teams will win press conferences that way. The Padres, A.J. Prowler can go to the, every press conference in the offseason when he did that last offseason, and he won every single press conference. He doesn't win the one at the end of the season, though. He does not. For two years in a row. So... I th- I actually think that whatever your your model and and for, let's let's take the owners out of it because that is about profitability. Mm-hmm. Let's just go with the president of baseball operations slash GMs. What is their best approach? It's whatever they believe is is building a winning roster, a sustainable winning roster, and not trying to win the press conference because you will never win the press conference unless you're the last team standing. That's the only way. You're actually, I take that back. You win two press conferences throughout your throughout your career. And one of them short-lived. You win the first press conference because you're usually taking over for a bad team or a team that needs dr- dramatically needs a a new voice. So you win that one because you start saying all the things that the fan base wants to hear. We're going to be if it's football, we're going to be uh, tough and physical and aggressive. If it's baseball, it's we're going to get back to the standards that shape this organization. We're going to get back to our winning ways. You know, hockey might be something else. You win that press conference, and then the only other time that you win a press conference is if 
you're giving it after winning a championship. Mm-hmm. That's it. Otherwise, there's always going to be, whether it's a small contingent, you know, or a small uh, group, small facet of fans that are complaining, or a large one. If you don't win, you're going to have your fans ticked off. So you're not going to win that press conference. From the 636, will a win Saturday against LSU finally get Mizzou the national recognition it deserves? This year, Brady Cook and Luther Burden are leading the SEC in their positions. We just don't hear much about them nationally. Because you have yet to face a legit SEC opponent. Vanderbilt does not count. I'm just telling, I'm not saying, you know, people are going to hear me say that, Jamie, and probably get ticked off, but it's the truth. This is your first opportunity. Your first opportunity to get any sort of national recognition, you accomplished that. You beat Kansas State. They ranked you. Mm -hmm. So that is your national attention based on the win against Kansas State. You have not had another opportunity to to get more national recognition because you have LSU on Saturday. That's coming up. Yeah. So I would say yes. Yeah, uh, this could be your opportunity now. Do you feel like either way this LSU game is tainted? And what I mean by that is LSU has lost a couple of games. Mm-hmm. So what could have been a clash of the Titans, two teams coming in 5-0, and ready to rumble. And now, like, and this is unfortunate for Mizzou, because if Mizzou steamrolls LSU or just beats them, well, that's an off year for them anyways. I don't know if Mizzou's really, like, that's not the LSU team that we know. And, like, yeah. There's that built-in, like, question mark. Sure. Where I don't think that's fair. I think that the Mizzou program, coming from where they were last season, to being 5-0 and now, which have exceeded my expectations already. Mm-hmm. If they go on to beat LSU, I think they deserve some national praise. I think they deserve some attention for that. But I just don't know if they'll get the right attention. They're not, to your point, they're not going to get the recognition that maybe they feel like they deserve or the fan base feels like the team deserves if they beat LSU. Because you're right. It's a two-loss LSU team. But screw that. This oh, is I'm a on game. Board. I, I know you it. are. I know you are. We're we're play, we're doing the we're we're basically telling you like our thoughts and the reality. The reality is what we just said. The reality is nationally, team people may not circle that game and say this is a statement win. But personally, you and I both I think are, are on the same page here. If Mizzou wins this game, it is monumental. In their, in their development under Eli Drinkwitz. We have demanded improvement out of Drink. Demanded improvement out of this program. If they're to beat LSU, regardless of how many losses, it's another step. Then you got Kentucky. That's going to be a tough game, too. Then you got South Carolina and Georgia. I mean, they, they, they will have plenty of opportunities to show that they deserve some attention nationally. But don't... Don't overlook the fact that you beat Kansas State and they ranked you. They weren't going to put you 10. They weren't going to talk about you on every program. But next step is to beat LSU. Baby steps, boys. Baby steps. From the 618, what would the Cards pitching staff look like if they signed Jordan Montgomery and Sonny Gray? I think it would be 
improved. If you're asking, if you're asking, like oh, I would literally, take that right now, are you yeah, kidding me? Literally, how it would look? I, I think that would it would probably be. Uh, I don't know who gets opening day. I would give it to Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, and then and then Monty. Monty. Then Michaelis, Michaelis, Mats in theory, Mats, and then and now uh, your internal, and then your internal, which would that would suck, but it would your your look, your rotation would be better. It's in better shape than it was this year. Maybe we'll talk about this tomorrow. Is there a way though that I guess there's always a way, but like realistically, is there a way that this rotation gets it, worse? Gets worse. Oh, I mean, it's possible. Of course. If, Any, you, if you miss out on all the key guys, mm-hmm. or if they don't want to come here, you're screwed. You're screwed. It was just so bad this year. I'm just thinking, like, You could end up with positively. almost the same freaking rotation. Oh, boy. Next year. Minus Wayno. I don't think Jack's coming back. Unless it's as a, a oh, lever. Yeah. Who? Jack Flaherty. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Bullpen arm? Yep. Mm-hmm. Hope you can hear now, Jack. Yeah. Wow. From the pen. Did your pitch come pick it up? Oh, that's right. You don't need one. You're not on the bump. Mm. <laughs> From the 618. <laughs> what do you think the plan is going forward in Chicago for the Bears? Oh, There's some rumors. A lot of praying. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't. I'm not going to get myself into some trouble here. Yeah, uh, yeah Jamie, that's it. Yep, I'm going to I'm going to be real careful. Um, there's some rumors started by uh, our, our our buddies at FanDuel, and then at least one national host, I think it was Mike Greenberg, that said perhaps Greenberg and your guy uh, RC. Oh, uh, Ryan Clark, Ryan yeah. Clark, yeah. Yeah, uh, perhaps the Falcons and Bears could make a trade and send Justin Fields to Atlanta. I I told you this, Jamie. Arthur Blank would run the crap out of Fields, that's for sure. If you would, if you would just... like They'd Bears, have two good running backs. Yes, they would. Three. You got Fields, True. you got Fields, you got Tyler Algier, and then you got B. John Robinson. But that would be interesting, but what are you going to give up for him? I don't think it's a bad deal for the Bears to say, we're going to move forward. We're going to get another draft pick. You're going to have, very likely, two top ten picks next year, if not top five. I think they have the top two right now. Bears and Panthers, right? Because the Panthers, they got the the draft pick from the Panthers, so it would be one-two as of right now. Yeah. Yeah, but if you trade Fields and you go get, let's say, Dick Falcons quarterback, Oh Ritter, Desmond Ritter. Well, you you, you can guarantee get. you can guarantee yourself that number one pick, huh? Uh, so, is it a strategy? Because are the Bears in the spot where they move on from Justin Fields because they think he's not the franchise quarterback? Yes. But the Falcons look at it as an improvement over what they over currently what they have, currently have. Yes. And they're willing to make the deal because it costs relatively nothing. But the big plan at the end of the day is for the Bears to tank uh-huh. and go get Caleb Williams. And the Falcons, you don't change much because Ritter is a placeholder. Yeah. You know, you don't have the guy, so he's the guy right now. Fields would be the guy because you know you don't have the guy right now. So that would be interesting. It's kind of it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, a little bit. Depending on that's what, why I feel like yeah, it could happen. Depending on what Atlanta. So would trade for up. a guy who doesn't throw the ball downfield. Yeah, they want to run the ball anyways. They got a guy who can't throw the ball downfield right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might as well trade Kyle Pitts, Drake London. 
Just get rid of them. Well, don't tr- don't draft those guys when you know you don't have the QB. You know, it's very fair. But you can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the in the tube. Mark. You ever tried that? It's out. You ever tried that? No, but Me I'm sure either. it's a so mess. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure you could shove it back in. I don't know mm. about that. It's pretty soft. Yeah, I mean, it's really mm. soft like that. It's hard to shove it in there. You know, like it just won't go in the in the back in the tube. Not without help. Mm. Yeah, but even then, it's tough. I like I'd never had the desire to try and put the toothpaste back in the, the tube. So I don't know how the expression got made. Well, like I think who a, at one point tried to take the toothpaste and put it back in? I think people are just theorizing that mm. it's it's a it's a pain. It's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like, why would you do that? Right. I mean, that's murder or maybe manslaughter or yeah, just it depends assault. on how high the window is. Say? It's not good though. You throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. See, it doesn't don't, make any sense. Don't right? throw Doesn't the baby. bath water go down the drain? No, it's old. But they used to have the the carrion tub. Like, oh. not a real, like, so they would have bathe the baby in the tub, and you'd take the water and you'd throw it out, but gotcha. like, don't throw the baby out with Don't bath. throw the that baby would be out bad. with yeah. water. Yes. It's just like the same yeah. thing for me. It's very perplexing. Well, I, one is a little bit more extreme than the other, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I agree. But both both things, though, Marshy, still, why very, would you come up with that? Exactly. Like, who very the hell irritating. throws a baby out with the water, and who the hell tries to put toothpaste back in the tube? Well, obviously somebody did. I got another did one for they? you. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> somebody had to. You're like, wow, you probably shouldn't do that. We'll make a little phrase from it. Very Mm. true. I got another one for you. It's like like stealing candy from a baby. Why Uh, does the baby have candy? That's true. It's very unhealthy. True, but it's it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You don't don't give the baby candy. I'm just saying it's not impossible for a baby to have a lop or something. They don't have to chew on it. And then it's not impossible for the older brother to come and just... Take that lollipop and say thanks. Nerd. I'm not saying Get it's impossible. Own. I'm just saying along the same lines, yeah. it doesn't make I don't much think sense. I don't think that that's in the same category. I think it's. I think yours is in like the next tier. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. 404, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. We welcome back Sean to the program. What's up, Sean? How are you guys doing? Did you sleep? We're doing good. Thank you. Did you sleep last night? Uh, a little bit, but that's more work-related, you know, so. Sure. I just figured, I mean, that was a huge win yesterday. You got all the questions right. You advanced to the second second round of the gauntlet. That, that's uh, that's a huge day. Well, thank you. I, I was thinking of strategies on who to pick next. So, what'd you determine? Because so, it's up. So, here's here's how it went. You know, I'm hoping that uh, one of the two remaining had a few too many bourbons and got a little crumbled last night and might be off their game. So, uh, Jamie heard bourbon. He probably knows like he's got a target on him right now. So, I'm yeah. going with Jamie. Yeah, I figured as soon as I heard that. You know what, Sean? I did have a couple of bourbons last night. Uh, man, they were good, too. Hey. Watch a little Halloween movie with the kids. Had a bourbon. Sat back, relaxed, had a great sleep. I don't know. It might work against you, buddy. Never know. Hey, you know, there's one way to find out. That's right. That's right. Good luck, my man. I appreciate it. All right. So Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. Uh, Sean, just, I mean, I think you already know this. Jamie drinks every night. So, you know. You know, I get it. I get <laughs> but, it. I've, but like been, you said, I've been in the beer business, too, so I get it. 
But like you said, maybe he was one too many. You know, he can't, yeah, he should have yeah. cut it off, and he just didn't. Okay, so uh, time for the gauntlet now. Sean picked Jamie. So now, Sean, you got to tell Marsh to spin that wheel. All right, Marsh, spin that wheel. I'm assuming, I'm assuming anything but hockey. You know, if I did get hockey and beat him, I would probably retire. But yes, anything <laughs> but hockey. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even take on Marsh, huh? No, I'd be like, yeah. You guys would be like, you ready for today? I'd be like, nope, I'm done. Nope, done. Uh, <laughs> so it's not it's not hockey. It is a category okay. that Jamie gets frequently. I feel. Yeah, I feel he like does. It's football. It's football. Yeah, Jamie. Okay. Jamie gets football. I get hockey. The wheel likes to play games like that. So yeah. it is football today. Marsh is giving hey, me the launch codes. All right, for those listening that don't know, Sean and Jamie are going to get the same four football questions. Sean's going to go first, followed by Jamie. Each question is worth two points. If Sean or Jamie ask for the options, those questions become worth one point. Sean, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's rock. In the Dolphins' 70-20 to 20 beatdown of the Broncos, which Dolphins running back picked up over 200 yards on that day? Oh, man. I should really wish I knew the Dolphins' running backs right now. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and take the options on that. Raheem Mostert, Chris Brooks, or Devon Achan? Let me go Raheem Mostert. Final answer? Final answer. Question number two, before Joe Burrow, who was the last Bengals quarterback to throw for more than 4,000 yards in a single season? Poor Joe Burrow, 4,000 yards in a single season. Uh, have there ever been other Bengals quarterbacks? Um, I'll go ahead and take the options on that as well. Options are Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer, or Boomer Esiason? Hmm, let's go Carson Palmer on that. Final answer. Question three, Sean. The last time Mizzou started a season 4-0 was in 2013 when they won their first seven games. Who led the Tigers in passing yards that season? So who led the Tigers in passing yards in 2013? So as quarterback position, correct? Correct. So 2013, so I got to think some math in my head here. Daniel was around 29. Um, Oh, I should know this. So Blaine Gabbert. Final answer? Final answer. Question number four. That same season, Mizzou defeated which team 41-31 in the Cotton Bowl? 41-31 41-31 Cotton Bowl. Ooh. That's a tough one. I'm... Oh, I wish I knew more about college football than I do right now. Um, let's go options. Play it safe. Options are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Florida? Oklahoma State, final answer. Okay. Well, welcome in, Jamie, or welcome back, Jamie. Jamie uh, criticized me yesterday for saying that, Marsh. I said, well, welcome back, Marsh. Yeah, well, we got to wait till We just got to come back he in, walks. He's yeah, still taking so. his time. I don't want to screw that yeah. up. And now... And now he's in. He's talking to somebody. We welcome back Jamie <laughs> into the gauntlet. 
Jamie, how it, was the cone of silence? It was not great today. It was not great. Mike Ryder, first wow. of all, wasn't in there. So, um, as you know, there's speakers in the hallway. Yes. So I closed the door. Yep. Because Mike usually plays music. Well, I'm not about to start pushing buttons nope. in there. Yep. So when I closed the door, you know me and my thermometer, right? Yep. It was like 90 degrees in that room. It's a it's it's a meat locker in here right now. Yeah. But when you go in there, it is a sauna. It's awful. Is it hot in here? Well, no, not. No, it's send freezing. Mike, send Mike Ryder yeah. my thank yous. Yeah. Oh, it's got me off my game right Okay. Now. All yeah. right. All so, right. Jamie. How, how does Sean do? Well, you better pack that lunch. God damn it. Jamie. Yeah. Your category today, mm-hmm. and on most days, is football. I love football. Football is your category. Question number Let's one. Go, baby. In the Dolphins' 70-20 to beatdown of the Broncos, which Dolphins running back picked up over 200 yards on that day? Mm. You'd think this would be an easy one, Anthony. Turns out that's the one game I didn't watch. Saw, the, <laughs> saw some of the highlights. Didn't watch it. <laughs> Uh, options. Raheem Mostert, Chris Brooks, Devon Achan. I think Raheem Mostert. Mustard. Final answer. Question number two. Before Joe Burrow, who was the last Bengals quarterback to throw for more than 4,000 yards in a single season? Oh, my. Red Rocket was there, but did he get to 4,000? I have a hard time believing that. Who else did they have? Man, oh man. Options, please. Options are Andy Dalton, ah. Carson Palmer, Boomer Esiason. Oh, wow. Carson Palmer was pretty good. I'll go Carson Palmer. Final answer. It's probably Boomer. <laughs> okay, Boomer. Yeah. Who, who's the only lefty in that group? Boomer Esiason. There you go. Final answer. Do I get that one? <laughs> nope. The last, Boomer Rivers. The last <laughs> Mizzou. <laughs> Boomer. The last Mizzou. Uh, the last time Mizzou started a season 4-0 was in 2013 when they won their first seven games. Who led the Tigers in passing yards that season? Wait. First time they went 4-0 was when they won their first seven games? The first time Mizzou started a season 4-0. I'm yeah. sorry, the last time Mizzou started a season 4-0 was in 2013 when they won their first seven games. Wouldn't that be 7-0? Yes, but... But they started 4-0. They started That's 4-0. That's their record right now. Yeah. Okay, Sorry. Bottom line is who who led the team in passing yards in 2013? Oh yeah, Chase Daniel. I feel like that time works pretty. I have to shoot here because I think I screwed the pooch on the first two. Chase Daniel, final answer. Question number four. Oh, <laughs> that no. same season. <sighs> Mizzou defeated which team 41-31 in this, the Cotton Bowl? These suck. <laughs> Grant, you're freaking fired. <laughs> Don't show up tomorrow. I mean it. <laughs> Done. The hell is this question? <laughs> so there's no that, way you heard that. That same season. Freaking Mizzou. Mizzou defeated which team 41-31 in the Cotton Bowl? I don't know. Give me the options. Options are Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Florida? What year? 2013, so that season. Same year as Chase Daniel didn't play quarterback for the (laughs) Mizzou Tigers. Um, (laughs) Oklahoma, final answer. 
All right, let's go over these. Sean versus Jamie. I'm disgusted. A disgusted. No, I'm completely disgusted. Congratulations, Sean. All you needed was one, probably. My strategy is working, apparently. (laughs) I'll still be enjoying bourbon tonight. Don't worry. Let's go over these. uh, Question number one. In the Dolphins' 70-20 beatdown of the Broncos, which Dolphins running back picked up over 200 yards on the day? Sean, with the options, you said Raheem Mostert. Jamie, with the options, you said Raheem Mostert. Correct answer is... It is not Raheem Mostert. It's Devon Achan. It was Devon Achan. Zero-zero tie. Before Joe Burrow, who was the last Bengals quarterback to throw for more than 4,000 yards in a single season? Sean, with the options, you went with Carson Palmer. (laughs) Jamie, with the options, you went with Carson Palmer. Correct answer is the Red Rocket. Come Andy on. Dalton. No Andy Dalton way. did it twice, 2016 and 2013. We have a 0 0 tie. The last time Zeus started a season 4 0 was in 2013 when they won their first seven games. Who led the Tigers in passing yards that season? Without the options, Jamie went with Chase Daniel. I think my timing's off on this one. A little bit. Yeah, a little. He was there the same time I was, and I'm a little older than that. Ah. Sean, without the options, you went Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert was an option. He certainly was. Chase Daniel was not. Mm-hmm. Correct answer is? It is James Franklin. Didn't James matter, though. Franklin. I should have known that. Zero, zero tie between Jamie and Sean. You guys both took the options on this one. You have different answers. Ooh. One of you is correct. That same season in 2013, Mizzou defeated which team 41-31 in the Cotton Bowl? Jamie, you went Oklahoma. Sean, you went Oklahoma State. Sean. It was Oklahoma State in an absolute pitcher's duel. Sean had the offense working yesterday, the pitching working today. Sean wins one to nothing over Jamie, setting up a gauntlet championship tomorrow between him and Marsh. Sean, nice job, man. Congrats. Thank you, guys. You know what they say, a win to win. There you go. You'll <laughs> they don't ask on. how, they ask how many. That's right. Good job, exactly. Sean. All right, Appreciate we'll, it, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Look forward to it. Okay, oh, see ya. That was a rough one, but, you know, hey. What is Grant doing? You know, when... Actually, you know what? We're not going to blame Grant. Thank you. We'll take ownership on ourselves. Yes. Unlike some people across the hallway or down the hallway. Down the hallway. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie's going to rebound. He's licking his wounds right now, but he'll rebound. I'm angry. I know you are, buddy. Was the bourbon worth it? Always. Well, there you go. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford joins us next. He's our Blues Insider with The Athletic. Talk a little Blues hockey with him here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford joins us right now via our 101 ESPN celebrity line. What's up, JR? 
Not too much, boys. Just uh, wrapping up a feature story that should be up at The Athletic in the morning. I might have mentioned it to you, a little piece on uh, Tyler Tucker and Leo Loof, two young Blues defensive prospects. Yeah, JR, let's talk about Leo Loof for a second. Um, Not really on the radar, for me anyways, coming into camp. Then I watched him play the very first, well, the first day of games. There was two games that that day, the split squad. I was up uh, over in Wichita, and I was really impressed with this guy, he's a big kid. He lays the body out there. Nothing fancy, um, but you know what, what's your take so far on him? I thought he was pretty impressive in camp, and obviously we know with the Blues' defensive depth riv that uh, he wasn't going to make the squad this year. He was a third round draft pick in 2020. But you're right; he's got some good size. He's six one. He's listed at about 190 pounds. You know, a Swedish defenseman. A lot of times we've seen over the years a Christian Backman, some of those guys, a little bit more laid back, less physical. But this guy, this is a guy who's got some physical traits. So Leo Luf is definitely a name I'd pay attention to in the coming camps. Jr. We have been talking about the lineups that um, the lineup that the Blues featured today at practice, that second group specifically. It, do you do you get the impression that that is probably what Chief's going to roll with in, in Game One? Of the regular season? Yeah, I really do. And with two preseason games left, it's kind of hard to say that. Like past years, you probably couldn't say that. But Chief made no bones about it early in camp that we wanted to give our Lions uh, time, some ice time to play as much together as they could. And so I think for the most part, we've seen a lot of these Lions together, even though they've mixed in some different guys to get a look at some of the younger guys like the Bulldukes and Deans and so on and so forth. But we've seen from day one, Buchnevich, Thomas, Kairou, uh, I didn't know that Saad would start out the season on that second line, but they've looked uh, good with Shen and Kappen in there. And then to me, one of the, the bright spots, the best lines in, in camp, has been that uh, third line of Rana, Hayes, and Blay. And then finally, wrapping up, uh, Bruby said that uh, Jake Neighbors, he felt, is an identity player, and he had him on that fourth line at the start of camp, and there he continues today with Sunquist and Torpchenko. So it looks like those are your 12 right there. JR, uh, that's the 12, and we understand you know, there'll be you know, eight defensemen, but when the music stops, there'll be a couple of guys without a chair. In your opinion, as of right now, there's still time left. Who do you think's left without a chair? Yeah, so it's interesting because of what they're likely going to have to do with the defense, and that's the eight one-way contracts, and that's having Scott Prinovich and Tyler Tucker, both young guys, needing waivers so they don't have a lot of flexibility with getting down to seven defensemen so they're likely going to have to keep eight so Riv you know with the maximum roster set at 23 that means you're going to keep 13 forwards at the most Uh, you know you could start the season with 12 like they had on the ice today but it's likely that you're going to keep one extra forward a 13th forward and the options for that are guys like Nathan Walker, McKenzie, McEachern, Nikita Alexandrov. I don't, don't think so much that we're looking at Zach Bolduc and Zach Dean, even though they've had decent camps. I think they'll start the year in Springfield. Uh, but I think what Craig Bruby did today, and, and if you haven't talked about it yet, they had the main group in one practice session. They had the other group in another practice session, and that's the group that included – Nathan Walker, Mackenzie McEachern, Nikita Alexandrov. These are guys that I don't think have grabbed that spot like uh, probably the team hoped they would. And they're probably saying today, hey, look, guys, you're in a different group. Somebody show us that you want to be that 13th forward. And whoever it is not will be headed to Springfield. That's kind of what I was going to ask you is if you think it was absolutely deliberate by Craig Berube to, 
you know, omit those players and only have the 12 forwards and eight defensemen out there? I didn't talk to him about this. And, Riv, uh, as you guys well know, I've never walked into a locker room and seen my name on the board one way or another. But I have to feel it was deliberate. I feel that uh, if you go into the locker room, you're an NHL player trying to make the team, and you see that you're going to skate with, let's say, eight or ten other guys in the what looks like a, a minor league group, uh, and guys who aren't going to be on the opening night roster, you know, it sure would spark me. So I think that was deliberate. Of the of the forwards, anyways, that are in that extra group this morning that were not in the twelve forwards. In your opinion, who has shown the most that you think would grab that last spot? Well, I don't think that any of the guys, the fringe guys that uh, you thought would maybe be your thirteenth and fourteenth forwards, out of Walker, Alexandrov, and McEachern have have really grabbed it. I think that Dean and Bolduc have had good camps, but as I mentioned, I think they're going to be in Springfield. So let's hypothetically say that you have one job to give to one of those three guys, Walker, McEachern, and Alexandrov. To me, it would be Walker, just because I think he's the more, you know what you're getting from him. He's the consistent player. He's been up here for the past couple of years. I know they know McEachern, but he's not been impressive. And then also uh, with Alexandrov, I think he could use the time playing, and he'd like it to be here in St. Louis. The Blues would probably like it too, but I I think that uh, they'd probably like him playing. So that's probably Springfield for me. And, you know, as we always say, if you're going to sit in the press box, you don't want a young guy doing that. So I think it'd be Walker as the 13th if they do, in fact, keep uh, that, that player. A couple more things for our Blues insider Jeremy Rutherford with The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at J.P. Rutherford. When you look at this this year's camp compared to either the regular season or last year's camp, Jr., who has really stood out in terms of like their improvement? Doesn't even have to be one of their top players. Just somebody from a year ago that you feel as though has made, through your eyes, the most improvement. Yeah, you know, early on in camp, it's it's tough to you know say that that's one of the veterans because uh, it takes them a little bit. To, to ease into camp. We saw sure. Braden Chen with a couple goals the other night. But, you know, as far as the young guys, you know, Zachary Bolduke is a name that I'll mention because uh, he himself, Doug Armstrong, both said that it was a very disappointing camp for Zachary Bolduke last year. And we're talking about a first-round pick. So even though it doesn't look like he's going to make the club out opening night, I'm sure he'll get a cup of coffee at some point uh, this season. And in camp, he's shown a lot of skill. And, yeah, there's some flaws, but there's a lot of flaws with 21-year-old players coming up. And then secondly, you know, I'll say – Scott Prunovich, and, and it's not just because you feel like he's been good in camp because he's had his hiccups too, but we're talking about a guy who's played, what, 20 NHL games, regular season games in his entire career, and he's 25 years old. And so he's had his moments, but I, I agree with what Craig Bruby has said. Uh, they need him to move the puck quickly, and these exits have to be great because those are the strengths of his game. And you're going to have to use your bread and butter if you're going to make this team. So Scott, Scott Prinovich, I feel, has had a couple of good preseason games and probably fits in that category. Good stuff, JR. We appreciate you. Have a good rest of your week. We'll check back next week. Yep, sounds good, boys. Thanks. That's our guy. Thank you. That's our guy, Jeremy Rutherford, here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Does a quarterback need to win over his team before they can win games? Kind of an interesting question. You'd say, well, yes, absolutely. Well, what if that quarterback hasn't had a, a great history of winning games? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. So Jamie today when he came into the office said, hey, did you did you hear what box GM Jason Light said about Baker Mayfield? I said, okay, Jamie. You let's know what he slow. didn't say? He stinks. He didn't say shaky-bakey. He didn't call him shaky-bakey. He hasn't been shaky, that's for sure. Um, but we discussed this in the in the office but let's play the audio first here's jason light again gm bucks gm jason light on baker mayfield and there's a couple things that really stood out to jamie baker he's a very very smart person i knew he was smart you know we did our due diligence on him coming out we weren't looking for a quarterback that year but um knew that he was smart i didn't realize just how incredibly smart he is and he was targeting us I mean, maybe more than we were targeting him. He saw this as an awesome opportunity for him. Um, you know, and we told him from the beginning that this is going to be a, you're going to be in a competition here because we, we really like Kyle Trask. And he didn't, you know, as you know, Baker, he didn't flinch. He accepted that and, um, you know, he just ran with it. And it was a good competition. But he is such a, the, you know, even as I go around town, people go, what's Baker like? Is he yeah. a good guy? It's like... I don't know where this started that he wasn't a good guy. And, I mean, I think you could point to a few things that maybe people got the wrong impression of him. But he's a freaking awesome dude. He is a dude. And the players saw it right away. I mean, he's whether he's taken the lineman to the Bahamas, uh, you know, during uh, on our break during camp before the first, uh, you know, after final cuts uh, to go golf. Or he's... He's spotted around town at dive bars with a different group of position group, with receivers, with Mike Evans, you know, um, with uh, Godwin, with these guys. He, he really knows. He's not doing it. It's not fake. He really knows how to, how to be a dude with the team, and, and they love him. All right, Jamie. Go for it. <laughs> so hearing that changes a little bit of my opinion of Baker Mayfield. I still don't think he's – super talented as an NFL quarterback. Like he's a very talented individual. He's playing in the NFL currently. He's 3 and 1 as a starter for the Bucks. He's a talented individual. So he's number one number one overall pick. Yeah, so let's leave it out there. But what I'm saying as far as talent is it's not like Joe Burrow esque Justin Herbert esque type talent that Baker Mayfield has and we know he didn't have the success with the Browns. Um, he had very little success with the Rams. Came in the one game, but after that, things kind of the market corrected itself pretty quickly. Yeah. But he did. He he sought out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, by the way, from the beginning, I thought it was genius by Baker Mayfield because they have everything in place for him. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to pick a spot, go to a team that's actually good that's missing a quarterback. Why go all these crappy teams that need a quarterback? So I like the fact that he said yes, and I accept the competition. And then to find out, you know, how he's taking care of his offensive linemen and his other positional players, like that's huge. Your offensive line, it, that's your protection. Mm-hmm. Those guys are the guys that can make or break the quarterback, right, Daniel Jones? <laughs> right? When you have no time at all, Joe Burrow, you get injured right away. Like, when you don't have any offensive line, you're in trouble. Yeah. And so when I hear things like this, I wonder – you know, is having the right quarterback better than having the most talented quarterback sometimes? Um, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if it's a choice between Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, like, right, there's right. no conversation. But what I guess I'm thinking about more of the mid-tier mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Like, if you have a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's super competitive dude, is what we're finding out, 
really good with his teammates and really driven right now. He's become a real good leader for that team. Or you have a, you know, take your pick of the mid-tier quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, that are talented. Well, okay, so I'll give you I'll give you an interesting example. How about this? And not that he was really unliked by his teammates, but like kind of quiet and reserved and and just seemingly from what from what I could tell kind of stuck to himself. What about Marcus Mariota? So yeah. Marcus Mariota was the number 2 overall pick in his Carson draft. Carson Wentz for that matter. Yeah, Carson and Carson his teammates Wentz can't stand him. Well, apparently he was uncoachable, you know, like he and his just teammates didn't like him. He either. didn't like yeah, criticism and all that. I would rather have the guy that was competitive. And Baker Mayfield has never been short on competitiveness. This is the same individual that went into Notre Dame and after beating Notre Dame, put the flag, Oklahoma's flag, right in the middle of the logo. He's always been that competitive guy, and he's probably always had a chip on his shoulder because of his size. Yeah, That has never been the rub with Baker Mayfield. And to answer your question directly, you know, does a quarterback need to win over his team? Yeah, absolutely. You're the leader. Now, there's, there's different ways you can do that. You can be Tom Brady and just kind of be unassuming for a while and then start to win games. And then once you win games, there's no question. It's Tom Brady. I want to win. I'll just do whatever he says. You could be Peyton Manning. You could be a top choice. And you could be so cerebral. You could tell everybody, hey, this is what you need to be doing. And you can lead that way. Or you could be what, what Baker Mayfield has been, which is likable competitive guys want to get kind of in the bunker with you Mahomes is like that too of course plus he's an ungodly talent you know but let's so let's circle back then let's let's move the argument or the conversation to Kyler Murray mm. Kyler Murray is way more talented than Baker Mayfield yes but what's going on there right he has trouble with the coaching staff his teammates the the, the, the front office the front office the responsibilities the work ethic yeah so so that's kind of where I go with it is like, are you better off making sure you have the right guy more so than the most flashy guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you want to get the guy. You want to get the guy that is a leader, that also happens to be able to handle the immense workload of a quarterback. You know, the quarterback position. I I think that what's going to be interesting moving forward is can the Buccaneers win despite Baker's limitations. Well, yeah, of course. Because all this other be, stuff is great. That's the question mark from day one. It will be the question mark in the last game of the season. Yes, because his limitations have always been he's a shorter guy, can't see over his line, and despite being a competitive guy that is willing to take hits and do whatever it takes, he doesn't move in the pocket like other shorter quarterbacks. Drew Brees is the poster child of short and somebody that found passing lanes yeah. despite his size. Uh Another guy that way, at least for a while, was Russell, Russell Wilson. He would find lanes. He would move around. Baker kind of is a stationary, and then he gets blocked by his own line. And then when he throws over the middle, he throws high because he's trying to get over the old lineman's heads, too. So his trajectory's off. And he's, and he's inaccurate. Yeah. So game on the line, I think Baker falters because of his limitations. That's the question. But, Jamie, everything else, the intangibles, I think I think we're seeing why guys like Let me them. ask you this, though. Is it possible that... Like, of course, I just talked about the right guy instead of the most talented guy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the right team to bring out the most talent in the guy? I think a lot of times it's even more important because than Because, like, Baker Mayfield, although he had some short-lived success in Cleveland. See what you did there with the short. Yeah, very—yes. 
Well done. Um, and then, you know, the Rams, and he's popped around. But now it looks like like watching the behind-the-scenes, watching the clips, listening to the teammates and the coaching staff, and now the general manager, like this team might be the right team for mm-hmm. Baker that believes in him, the teammates that lift him up rather than crush him. Yeah. And it might be bringing out the best he possibly has. And what we're seeing right now might be the best Baker Mayfield you can possibly have. Sure. But it's working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I, it's just it was intriguing to me to hear all these things about a guy that you know everybody's like ah, everybody likes to dog on Baker Mayfield, shaky bakey, all this stuff. Right. Yet here we are, like maybe we're not getting the whole picture. Well, I call him shaky bakey. So. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's put it this way: the Buccaneers are getting more, way more, out of their investment at the quarterback spot than the Saints are in the same division. I think they're getting more out of their quarterback than the Browns are right now. Think of that. Yeah. Think of that investment. That's a great. That's a great point. It's a fascinating. I want to want ESPN. We'll play. Prove me wrong. So if you got to prove me wrong, statement, you can send it in three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Again, we'll play. Prove me wrong next on one hundred one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred one ESPN. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. We've come to that part of the week where we have a prove me wrong. So once again, if you have something that you want to text in, uh, get that over to the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Or you can always drop it right there in the YouTube group chat. We're checking that all the time. That's the Air Alliance team YouTube feed. And uh, we also have the Twitter. Hit one of us up on Twitter if you have a Prove Me Wrong. So, Anthony, it's that time of the week. Let's do it. Prove Uh, Me Wrong's time. All right, guys. From the 636, Prove Me Wrong. Miles Michaelis is the opening day starter for the cards in 2024. Go ahead. If you sign Sunny Gray... He could be the opening day starter. Obviously, if, if you sign Nola or Blake Snell, great. I don't know if you're going to be able to land those, one of those guys, but if you do, they would be the opening day starter. Even somebody like, oh, I don't know. Um, okay, so it's got to be Sonny Gray. It's got to be Aaron Nola. It's got to be Blake Snell, Jamie. I don't know if anybody, <laughs> any other free agents. What about Yamamoto? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Or Imanaga. Im- Im- There's four. Five. His name's Imanaga. I don't, whatever. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, I think that if you look at, look at it that way, given Miles Michaelis's shaky shaky season here, you sign one of these top-end free agents, maybe that's part of the, the signing process, too. Hey, you're likely going to be on the, on the bump opening day for us. That's how much we believe in you. So take our money, check out the hill, get some toasted ravs, Pop down to the free zoo. You're going to love it here. But you're going to be our opening day starter. It's part of the signing. Oh, I was nervous about that one. You didn't do a real good job that time, Anthony. You could tell you came in yeah, the second. Yeah, it was a little, a, little, uh, yeah, a little off. A little off, but I gave it to you just because. Yeah, uh, the signing I, thing. The, the signing thing. I felt like I, 
I started to gather a little yeah, steam. Yeah, it was. You started off slow, which is surprising, and uh, but you finished strong. So, yeah, thanks. Finished uh, fast. Which exactly. Is not surprising. No. Uh, yeah. So uh, for the six one eight, prove me wrong. The Bengals will regret giving Joe Burrow his guaranteed payday. No, absolutely, they will. They will absolutely regret giving him his payday. Am I getting the game wrong? Yeah, yeah. you gotta prove this. This uh, all right? Well, wrong. no, they won't regret it at all. I mean, look at this guy's it's already Joe Burrow. He already got them to a Super Bowl without an offensive line. He literally was playing flag football out there. The other team had their defensive line. He had no offensive line, and he's coming off a, a knee, which he had to have surgically repaired because the first year they didn't have an offensive line either. And he came roaring back and got this team to the Super Bowl. Uh, he had a calf injury. A lot of guys would just kind of limp around and feel sorry for themselves. Not Joe Burrow. Mm-mm-mm. He's taping that thing up. He's getting out there. He can barely stand on that thing. He certainly can't put any pressure on it. But he's still slinging it out there. Hasn't started out the way they wanted so far. A lot of season left. A lot of talent. Jamar Chase, let's be honest, he's always freaking open. Just ask him. Joe Burrow's going to get him the ball. Jamie, if I, uh, if I could... Is Joe Burrow a top five quarterback when healthy? Oh, easily. When is there when has there been a situation where the team regrets giving a top five franchise quarterback big time money? I can't think of any. The decision is yours, Judge. Started off, I mean, absolutely terrible. Just didn't know what the game was. <laughs> mm. And then but you did a great job. Nice. I, once I figure out the game, I can get this. Game. Yeah. 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 That this takes is, a, this it, might be the one I struggle at. It was one beforehand, too. <laughs> it's one a while ago. Whatever. Yep. All right, guys. From the 314, prove me wrong. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift is a ticking time bomb that will explode in the NFL's face when they end up breaking things off. Are you kidding me? Do you not see the love in their eyes? I can't believe Travis Kelsey showed up wearing that denim suit, whatever it was. Look good. Sky blue, white, all that. Do you think he's wearing that before he meets... Taylor Swift, no way, no how. You know her fashion consultant slid him that outfit. He wore it, swept her off her feet. She's cheering. She's slinging beer. She's mixing ketchup and ranch together with chicken fingers. She don't care. Nah. She's got Mama Kelsey on speed dial. Mm-hmm. They're hanging out. The NFL is reaping the rewards of this because they've never seen a romance this heavy. This is almost, almost like the royal family being together right now. It's the, uh, Americans, uh, the American version of the sure royal family. So, yeah, no, absolutely. These guys, not only are they destined to be in love, they're destined for a lifetime of beautiful children and much-needed success and money and just charity work. And, I mean, they are by far the most powerful couple in America. Mm. Two things. One, sounds a lot like lust, not love. Second one, shouldn't have brought in the royal family. They have a lot going on, and I don't know if that's a great example to use. Shut up, Marshy. Whoa, that's our judge. Let's, let's hey, see. Oh, hey, yeah. I always like the judge's ruling. No, if I don't like it, I tell the judge what I think of him. Yeah, but, you know, we Hope need I it. don't get him again. But I think we're about to get him again. Ah, damn it. Anthony, this one <laughs> will be for you. Uh, from the 314. Prove me wrong. The St. Louis Blues did not do enough this offseason to make the playoffs. Actually, this is a Jamie one. No, this is good for you. <laughs> no, you're good with this one. No, they did enough. Of course they did enough. There we go. Think about it. You got Kevin Hayes, 
who's going to be on your third line right now. That's how, First of all, that's how good your depth is. You got Kevin Hayes, a $7 million player, which, by the way, you're only paying $3.5 million for. No big deal. So massive job there by Doug Armstrong. He's your third line center. You also brought back one of St. Louis's most endeared players. Beloved. Ever. Oscar Sundquist. Mm. Last time he was here, what happened? Won a Stanley Cup. Damn Cup. That's right. So you brought those two guys. You got some young guys that are moving up the food chain here. Jake Neighbors, he's going to make his mark. You got Joel Hofer. Well, that's an internal move, but boy, you promoted him. You gave him that one-way contract. Why? Because you believed in him, mm. and you knew he'd be the perfect partner for Jordan Bennington. So, when everything is said and done, your lineup is better, your power play be better, your penalty kill is going to be better, and your goaltending is going to be better. I'd say he's done enough. I think you have done enough, Jamie. Yes! You deserve that one, Jamie. You earned it. Mm. Last one here, gentlemen, from the 636. Prove me wrong. Up to this point, Brady Cook should be in the Heisman talk. Okay, we're going to head ourselves a little bit on this, okay? <laughs> you got Caleb Williams still out there doing his thing. Has Brady Cook put up Michael Penix Jr. numbers? You haven't been watching Washington. I understand that, so I'll tell you. No, he hasn't. Michael Penix Jr. is out of Bo Nix. Bo Nix has been doing it as well. Big-time numbers, big-time program at Oregon, rolling right now. So Brady Cook did a, has done a phenomenal job, but let's be real. Outside of Kansas State, he has played, you know, uh, the Fast Lane, the Rizzuto Show, and the Courtney Show on the Arch thus far. And he's lit us all up, no, no doubt about it. But Heisman talk, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he is ranked 13th in yards. And he only has 11 touchdowns. Michael Penix Jr., who leads the the, uh, the league, who leads the country uh, in yards. He has 16 touchdowns. But Caleb Williams, like you said, 21 touchdowns yeah. in five games. Five games. Hasn't even played all of them. Do the math. Hasn't played all the full, he hasn't played a full-time game in some of them. No. They're like, hey, you got to get this guy out. Get We're up out. by too much. Yeah. But maybe after this week, Brady Cook will answer that Heisman talk. Never know. All right, that was proved me wrong. What's trending is next in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's going on in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered with what's trending now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a Lion's Choice Sandwich Coupon. Welcome back to the Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Fellas, we all love NFL Red Zone, right? Yes. And we all love hockey, right? Boom. Well, the NHL is getting their own version of Red Zone. I said this to you. Remember you crapped all over it. I didn't crap all over it. I said they wouldn't do it. But they are. They are doing it. ESPN is creating an NHL version of NFL Red Zone called Frozen Frenzy. It will launch on October 24th and be hosted by John Bucci Gross. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. Honestly, I think it's great. I, I'm, anxi- I'm anxious to see the format for it, meaning yeah. like how they do it. Because NFL Red Zone is pretty... It's pretty a lot, cut and dry. Well, it's, pretty, it's slower, too, right? You have a play develop. You get a team inside yeah. the 15, the 20. Oh, let's cut to San Diego or whatever, and we're going to watch the game here. So I, um, I, I wonder how the NHL is going to do it. Like if a team gets on the power play, do they go to that? If a team last minute of play, do they go to that? If it's a big face-off, like I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering what the criteria will be for which team they're showing at which point. I wonder if it'll be on delay. So like if they see that, mm. let's say the Blues score against Dallas tomorrow night, maybe a minute later they then go back to that game and then show, you know, let's say like a minute or two of all of that leading yeah. up to the goal. Yeah, that that could be good, or even thirty seconds. You know, if they if they have thirty seconds, so you're watching it live. You know, you're you're John Butcheros, and you're watching it live, and you know they scored. Mm-hmm. You say, uh, "So all right, let's go out to St. Louis right now. The Blues are taking on the the Bruins, knowing that thirty seconds ago the the Blues scored, right, and set it up that way. I think that's great. Now you'd have to avoid it if you're if you're an NHL fan. You have to avoid having like the updates and stuff on the phone. But mm-hmm. so what? You can do that. Yeah, I think I love so. It. And people, people just they eat up that NFL red zone. So if you could try to copy that model, or have your own model, great, good idea. Now I wonder, is this going to be just a one-time thing, or is this like a thing moving forward? Do you know, Jamie? Because I feel like it'd be kind of tough. There's only a few games on per night, or maybe it'd be easier. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe they determine the popularity of it and the viability of it. Well, that yeah, you took the words. You took the words right out of my mouth. Meatloaf sang that, by the way. Did he? Yep. And um, he didn't sing it nearly as good as I did. But no, that's true. No, I think I think they're they're seeing uh, certain days or dates where there's multiple games on at the same time, and they'll see what the you know the reception is to it, how it works, and iron out some of the kinks, whatever's it, whatever's good, whatever's bad. It's in the trial phase, and I like it. Why not? ESPN, you're one of the major rights holders for the NHL. Act like it. I like it. Sticking with hockey, this is from Kevin Weeks, friend of the show. He tweeted out, I'm told South Forsyth, Atlanta, got through state approvals for their development project and seems to be the leader of the pack at this time of cities without an arena yet. Hmm. So perhaps Atlanta, which has been... um, it's been in the, I want to say the workings, but it, it, you know, news is circling around Atlanta. If the NHL decides to expand, that that would be one of the t- uh, one of the cities they end up going to. But we know it has failed in its previous iterations twice now. <laughs> yeah. So if you're thinking to yourself, why would they go back there? It failed twice. It did, uh, but it wasn't set up for success. The original arenas where they played, both the Atlanta Flames and the Atlanta Thrashers, were located downtown. Um, less than desirable for a fan base overall to go down there on a regular basis. It's not the greatest area. I'm not speaking ill of Atlanta. It's just a fact. You can do your own research on the internet and, and see exactly what I'm talking about. The counties, the, the outer counties, the, the suburbs are where all the population is right now. In Atlanta, it's one of, it was the fastest growing city in America for a number of years the amount of people that live there now and the amount of hockey that goes on there now from the youth level to junior hockey to minor pro hockey 
If they put the if they put the arena in uh, Forsyth County or Cobb County or Marietta, I mean they will sell out every friggin' game. So I believe that this time around, it is feasible, that it is marketable, that it will work in Atlanta because they're going to pick the right location for the arena. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it didn't work that way and it wasn't working. Yeah, it's my thought. Guys, ESPN put out a, uh, I guess you would call it like a little short or a documentary, Travis Kelsey and uh, Jason Kelsey uh, uh, on like how Travis got in trouble in college at Cincinnati, went back to the team and then got drafted. This was a little clip though I wanted to share because I find it interesting. Just take a listen and then we'll react. It was very humbling because he felt that he was better than every single tight end that went before him. I finally get a call, and it's a Missouri area code. And in my head, I'm like, St. Louis? Come on. I don't even want to answer this. I don't like St. Louis? Oh, God. Hmm. It, uh... Hmm. Boy, that stinks. So much for those free blue tickets. Blues tickets Ouch. next time. Okay. So much for being American royalty... Well, I, as Jamie um, said, yeah. Well, here's mm. where I here's what I think, guys. Uh, what year was that? What year was that draft? When he was drafted, yeah, 2013, I oh, think. Oh, okay. I think he was talking more about the organization, not the city. I think so. Yeah, no, I know so. I know so. He said St. Louis. He, he didn't but, even say the Rams. Yeah, I know. But Anthony, don't try to make something out of nothing here, okay? I think one, you're going to get absolutely crucified by all the Swifties out there, and we know <sighs> there are a lot of them that listen to this show, so. I think it was just the disaster that was the St. Louis Rams at the time where Travis Kelsey was like, I just don't want to be a part. And I know that the talk of moving the team and all that stuff in the dome and the bet, like all of that going into it, I'm sure Travis Kelsey, that's what he's thinking of. That's mm. that's what I think. Anthony, you can make more of it if you want. You can yeah. try to stir the pot. I you think can, I got to root against them. You can piss off all the Swifties if you want. That's up to you. I'm not doing it. I think he's changed. And... I got to root against him now. I think so too. I think we should root against him, especially yeah. this upcoming week. Nobody talks. Who are they playing this week? The Vikings. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you really didn't think it? He's got there. a bunch. Of, he's got a bunch of different teams. He does. He's trying. No, I have a bunch of different teams. <laughs> what are you talking you really about? You need to focus on one team. Jamie has three. You have like ten. <laughs> I got one. I got one team. Who? The Falcons. And now that Carson oh, Wentz is out of the league. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Oh wow. Yeah. Did you hear that? You have one team, the Falcons. <laughs> I got two teams. No, you're off. That's it. You're off. Hold on. You're off. That's Hold it. On. Goodbye. I've been on their bandwagon. Dan Campbell and I don't need you on our bandwagon. What? I have to just be on one bandwagon? You, Anthony, you just said you're on one. I'm already and you on said one. It was the Falcons. No, the Falcons are my team. No. I'm on the Lions we'll bandwagon. Get that audio pulled yeah. back up there. There's no mistaking. There's no Hold stick on, time handling out. your way. You just pulled an Aaron Rodgers. I'm he calling, went four plays. He went four days. I'm calling a timeout on this. <laughs> as my as my Achilles as my Achilles is still is still intact. Yeah, I'm well, on the Lions bandwagon. From where you stabbed me. Hold on, I'm on the Lions bandwagon. No, you're not. You're off. Goodbye. Okay, good. I hope you go down in flames. Good. Who are we playing this week? We're probably better off without you Who cheering for us. Who, the Falcons? <laughs> no, the Lions. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Well, real family Panthers. know that. Panthers are going to pick up their first win this oh, week. Are they, Anthony? At Ford Field. Whoa! Yeah. 
Remember this hey. day. Hey. Screw you. You know what? I don't care. I you don't did need this you. to yourself. I don't want. I didn't want you to begin with. I was nice to you. I, felt I am sorry incredibly for you. spiteful. I felt sorry for you. Because you cheer for that Falcons team. Wait until Dan Campbell screws up and then everybody's off his bandwagon. Because it will happen. You'll still have the Falcons though, Anthony. Yeah, I will. Good for you. By the way, we're going to get a quarterback. We're going to get a running back at quarterback soon. Probably not. Good luck. By the way. We felt bad for you. We played Desmond Ritter against you. Mm -hmm. Because you're still complaining about the Seattle loss. Hey, the Lions are going to be good unless they face Seattle in the playoffs. Then they'll give up 500 yards and 37 points. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get real nasty on you here. Oh, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> we, uh, you just threw me off. Shame I, I on you. I kicked you off. Shame on in you. In fact, quite honestly, I couldn't even push you off because you'd already jumped. I didn't. I got one team. I couldn't even get to you. You were already off the and train. I, and I'm on the. I was on the Lions bandwagon until so you kicked me off, and then ran ran over me. Anthony, they when, backed when we, it up. When then we play the audio later of you saying, "I have, I have, I've only got one team, the Falcons." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was before. As, that was like mid jump off the bandwagon. The Falcons. <laughs> I have one team. They've been horrible to me. But I have that one team. I'm I am That's loyal. That's all you have. We got. But a, I was uh, on the bandwagon of the Lions. Were you though? Screw them it now. Was fraudulent. Anthony, I completely agree. We got a, a present in the mail, and this is for our friends that are listening, uh, are watching on the YouTube app. Uh, brought to you by the Air Alliance team. But we have this package, and we're, we're going to we, open it. What did we get? It's well, a nice package. Check. Yeah, it is. Nice package there, Marsh. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, since we're doing what's trending, the Tampa Bay Rays have officially been eliminated. Take that, analytics. By the Texas Rangers. <laughs> All right, so. I love how they're the blanket analytics team. Rangers win 7-1 to today, so the Rays are eliminated. In about an hour, the Blue Jays will be eliminated, too, yeah. because they can't hit. They're down 2 nothing, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., with runners at second and third, with two outs, and Bo Bichette up just got picked off of second. You're not. You're Why not, is he? You're not trying to win. Why is he leading you're not trying off to that win. far? The Blue Jays aren't trying to win. They're trying to lose. Oh my goodness, Marcy's unpacking something. And I feel bad for Mama Rivers. I do too. Who's she's a diehard Toronto Blue Jays fan. We're talking about it today on the way in here. She's very disappointed, but she called it. She says it can't hit. She's right. Yeah. Yeah. One run yesterday. You got none today through five. If you're the Blue Jays. Gentlemen. Yeah. Two nothing twins. What do we got, Marsh? We got ourselves a giant yes! wheel. Yes! We got the wheel, baby. Let's go. Brand new. Brand spanking new. Thanks to Tony. Okay. Look at this bad boy. So now so now we could do that for the gauntlet. Yeah. Yes. Well, we got a new one now. Well, so how not- many triangles are actually on yeah, it? Yeah, we got to. There's a ton of triangles. Yeah, but we if we're going to divide this up here. Yeah, because we'll have to like hockey, football. Like we have to do the whole four of them and then repeat it and then repeat it. Hopefully right. there's 12. Hopefully. Either way, it's a brand new wheel, and we appreciate it. Who gave us that? This is Tony's gift. Tony, thank to you. Fast lane. We accept this gift. Thank you from you, Tony. Thank you so much. This and now great. we'll be able to show. We we always could. Hey, show the wheel. Show your wheel. They demand it, and we're we've been we've been embarrassed of our wheel because it's small. But now we got a large wheel, and we'll show that puppy off every day. Some right, would, Jamie. Some would call us a big wheel now. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yep. Good job. 
Well said. Well said. 515, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. NFL fill-in-the-blank is next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFL fill in the blank now. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh. All right, gentlemen, the one in three blank will turn their season around. The one in three blanks will turn their season around. <clears throat> uh, right. Let's see here. Let's have a little look-see here. Well. Got I, some good choices. I, I um, Ooh. yeah, oof. So, okay, the, the obvious one for me. At one and three right now to turn their season around is the Bengals. I, I know they're they're not playing well right now. Um, Joe Burrow is injured ish, mm-hmm. but when you look at the other one and three teams, like who do you have more confidence in? The Raiders, the Broncos? No. The Giants? No. The Vikings? Maybe. The Vikings? I'll give you that, Marshy. The Vikings? Maybe. Thank you. I'll go with the Vikings. What is going on here? Well, I'll go with the Vikings really in this. It's not really a compliment. The one and three Vikings will turn it around. Yeah, they're one and three. Come on. You could have beaten the Bucs. You could have beaten the Eagles. You could have beaten the Chargers. You should have beat the, you should have beat the Chargers. You probably should have beat the Bucs. So. Hey. Settle down. So I'll go with them. You got the Bears twice. You got the Falcons. You got the Saints. You got the Lions twice. You got some winnable games. Oh! <laughs> Once the Lions figure out who they are, come back down to earth, you'll get them. I agree. So, Vikings. I agree. The blank have problems that have not been exposed yet. Uh, wow, that's a really good question. Yeah. I th- you know, I think I think some people will say Kansas City. But I'm not. I'm not willing to go there. I, I think there. Are, there's a couple of. There's actually a couple of obvious ones to me. The Seahawks' defense is 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 not as good as the the play would indicate. You know, Daniel Jones is being protected by the three of us, and only the three of us. So for them to get four fourteen hundred sacks on Monday night, okay. The Lions scored 27 on them in a shootout. Uh, 31, excuse me. The Panthers scored 27 on them. And the Rams sung 30 on them. I think Seattle's defense isn't as good as as people might think for a 3-1 team. So I don't think they've been exposed yet. I don't think the Cowboys' red zone issues have been exposed yet, but but it will mm. once the schedule turns up. It's popped its head up, though. It certainly has. <laughs> you lost to the Cardinals that way. But when you're facing the Giants, Jets, and Patriots, it's not it's not going to be as prominent. So I think I think that is one that hasn't reared its ugly head yet, too. So those are the two teams that that I'll highlight. I'll leave I'll leave Tampa alone for now. Would you stop? We know what we know what the we know what the how they get exposed. It's Baker. It's Baker, close game, fourth quarter, everything on the line. 
I think it's drop back passing game. I think it's complicating the playbook that'll get them more in, in trouble. If they keep it simple for Baker, even in big games, tough games, if they give him easy plays, easy routes where he's got the quick dump off pass to someone who's open, gain a yard or two, keep him going, move the ball forward. So for me, I think it's the uh, the overall offensive scheme that they need to keep it simple for Baker. All right. Blank is the most surprising rookie so far this season. CJ Stroud. Yeah, right. You beat me to it. CJ Stroud has played outstanding. All things considered, he is a rookie quarterback and he's not turning the ball over and he's putting the ball in, in great spots. He doesn't have a ton of talent around him, but now all of a sudden we're talking about Nico Collins. We're talking about Tank Dell. He he has been great, and I, I did not expect him to look this good this early. He faced Baltimore. He faced Jacksonville. He faced Pittsburgh defense. Pittsburgh's defense carved him up. I think he's been fantastic. Yeah, he was my first pick. Uh, I almost said Anthony Richardson, too. Yeah. And just same thing. He's been way more than I thought he would be. And, you know, everybody talked about how he had all the ability, but, you know, not quite sure. So a lot of question marks surrounding him as an NFL quarterback. Certainly a lot of question marks surrounding him as the Colts NFL quarterback. Sure. And, I, you know, he hasn't been perfect. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But right now the Colts and the Texans, for that matter, are both at 2-2. Two and two. Everybody in the division is, but they're at – and they're not embarrassing themselves. No, not one bit. So those would be my two. Blank have won games because of coaching and not their roster on paper. Oh. Yeah, another good question. Detroit Lions. Like, let's be honest. If you if you don't have Dan Campbell as the head coach there, I would argue they don't have the success. Bottom line. I think they're a more talented team than you're giving them credit for. Yeah. But, Anthony, let's be real. It's the Detroit Lions. They haven't had a whole lot of great leadership for a while. It's a, and, good, it's a good roster, though. And Dan I'd Campbell. Stop, I'd stop crushing them. Dan Campbell brought it all together, though. He's mm. the one who got it started. He did. Well, the GM hired him and believed in him. And now he's brought in good staff to surround him. I, I look at Dan Campbell, for me, more of an overall CEO-type coach. I don't think he's particularly really great at offense or defense as far as the coaching is concerned. I think he manages people and inspires people and motivates them the right way. And he also gives the power to his coaching staff to do the right things. I think I I stick by my, my pick. Can you repeat that? Uh, Yes. Blank have won games because of coaching and not their roster on paper. Arizona. The Cardinals have a win over the Cowboys and nearly had wins again should have should have beat the giants had every opportunity to beat the commanders they they could be three and one with a roster that the 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 most diehard nfl fans could probably name about three guys on four guys on i mean that that has been a remarkable job i could also say the colts the job that shane steichen has done they've won two games and their wins were against Baltimore and the aforementioned Houston team that you know a lot of people are starting to notice. They played Jacksonville tight and they had every opportunity to beat the Rams on Sunday. That is not a talented team. So I, I would say the Colts and the Cardinals. 
All right, last one here. Blank has the most underrated defense in the league. Would you consider Cleveland underrated? Would you consider a great defense? Yeah. Really? I feel like they've been known for having a great defense ever since Miles Garrett stepped foot on the field. Uh, all right. Uh, and smashed Mason Rudolph with a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this one might sound weird, but what about Tampa? They've had a good, but they've had a good defense, but, yeah, but nobody was talking about no, them. No, but I look, I like the Buccaneers, and I'd like them to be the answer. But their defense has been pretty solid for the last two or three years. Okay, then. Like last year they had some injuries that they dealt with. It wasn't as good, but the year before that was a rock solid defense. Um. All right, I'll say I'll say one that I know I won't get any pushback on outside of the fact that you guys are going to hate it. Oh, A- Atlanta. <laughs> this guy. This guy. What? Their law. Their two losses have been because Desmond Ritter can't throw. Do you do it on purpose? <laughs> like, I'm serious. I'm starting to wonder, Andrew. Does he do it on purpose? I'm. I am serious. When you look at when you look at that the way the defense has played for them. They they could be four and zero. Desmond Ritter has has cost them their two games. Jordan Love didn't have a yard in the fourth quarter against them in week two. They shut down Jared Goff outside of one throw to Sam Laporta. Last week, Desmond Ritter threw a pick six. Otherwise, Jacksonville did nothing in the second half. Their defense has actually been pretty good. Now, you asked me for underrated. I gave you two two options. You spat on them. No, I didn't. So, I'm well, going to give you that one. The Buccaneers, I, I thought they had a good defense, not necessarily underrated. Falcons? Sure, Anthony. I'll let you have your moment here. I, I don't know. Whatever. They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Seventh in yards, in yards allowed. Points, points per game, they are top ten. All right, how about this? Detroit. Seriously. No, I'm not biting. Detroit, Detroit. No, I don't want you on that. No, Detroit's don't, don't talk about the front Lions. seven. I mean, coming in, that was the big question, was whether or not the Lions could improve defensively. Well, yeah, it was, and it was in particular the running game. Absolutely. I mean, they that front, that front four harassed the Packers last week, harassed Atlanta in, in week three. They had a hiccup against Seattle. Harrett did a nice job against Kansas City. They allowed 20 points to Kansas City in week one. They had their hiccup against Seattle. They can't beat the Seahawks. Held Atlanta to six, and the Packers scored 20, but how, how much of that was in you know garbage time? When it was 27 to 11, Green Bay, Green Bay touched down and added a field goal late. But otherwise, if you watch that game, Detroit's defense, they, they were dominant. Oh, yeah. All right. Found one. <laughs> we did it. Biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. We often talk about the the ball bouncing your way or not bouncing your way when it comes to the MLB postseason. The Toronto Blue Jays are the latest example of that. Bases loaded, down two nothing in the bottom in the top of the six. Matt Chapman at the plate with one out, and he laces one down the left field line. Ball lands about a half foot 
a foul. Half put foul. The next pitch, he grounds into a routine double play, and the Twins get out of the inning, and they're still up 2 nothing now, bottom of the six. Goes from a tie game with runners likely at first and se- at uh, second and third with one out to you're out of the inning and you're facing elimination here in a couple of innings. Crazy. And by the way, congratulations to the Texas Rangers. They advance to the ALDS after beating the Rays 7-1 today. As Jamie said, blank you, analytics. Take that. Take that, analytics. Numbers, nerds. Yep. All right, Marsh, what do you got for the biggest question of the day? All righty. We have a mic drop from Jake. We talked earlier in the show about uh, the Rangers GM and Jerry DePoto uh, mentioning that they want to play at a 54% clip winning games. Uh, and some Seattle Mariner fans aren't aren't about that. And it sounds like Cardinal fans aren't really about that either. Sure. Uh, because we saw a lot of similarities between Jerry DePoto and John Mozeliak. But this is Jake's mic drop. His thoughts on the matter. I think Cardinals fans are up in arms about the way that the team has gone about building the roster is because part of it is like watching a claymation movie be created. You know, (laughs) just a small tweak, reset, take a picture. Small tweak, reset, take a picture. And, And Cardinals fans really want to feel like they're watching a Marvel movie where it's action and intensity and anticipation and all of these sexy, glamorous feelings that come along with the signing of big moves and the feeling like the team is trying and putting every single dollar they have into creating this product. And it just doesn't meet their expectations. And so I think whenever you know we hear about Jerry DePoto saying they're only trying to win 54% of games... Um, the Cardinals tend to somewhat follow that model, I suppose. It's just, it it doesn't lead to much excitement or action in the offseason. And clearly this offseason, that's probably going to have to change because they have more money to spend. They have more holes to fill. They have a greater need to add. So I'm hoping that this offseason is more of a Marvel movie and not just another uh, claymation movie. So who, do you guys think that? this is Jake? Drake, Jake, well done. From State Farm? I don't know if it's Jake from State Farm. He's been hanging so. out with Donna Kelsey lately. I'm not sure if he's been paying attention to uh, the fast lane. Hopefully he has, whoa, but... Whoa, take that back. You know he is. You're right. He I don't, I don't know why I would say that. He downloads his podcast every day. It's available on the app or on 101ESPN.com. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. Jake from State Farm? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because we know it's not Travis Kelsey. He hates St. Louis. Yeah. He hates the St. Louis Rams. That's not what he said. Hmm. Well, either way, I don't know why he would hate the St. Louis Rams. Uh, but he was being drafted, I would have too. <laughs> the hell wants to be a part of that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Anthony. That was your team too? Nope. The, <laughs> the question, though, is uh, are the Cardinals a claymation-type team? I think that was a, that was a perfect analogy. I think I think, so I think that was outstanding. He's right. It's like, let's just take this real slow, everybody. Okay, and just I can I picture Gumby. Remember the old Gumby show, Jamie? Yep. I pictured just the Mo building just one one leg at a time. Gumby's just walking. You know what they said to Gumby though? They said blank you. What? Blank you, Gumby? Who hmm. said that? Oh, I mean the internet. That was mean. 
Wow, Gumby. I don't think Gumby did anything to anybody except help people out. I mean, he's a weird-looking dude, but I don't think that's... (laughs) But that never held him back from helping people. No. No, it didn't, Anthony. He was always there to lend a hand or whatever those are (laughs) Uh, on his body. A a boat oar. Lend a boat oar. Extremities of whatever they are. Yeah. Anyways, yes, I think they're a claymation team. I think think that was spot on by Jake. They're just making little incremental moves and... Okay, then we'll, let's try it out. Let's see how it looks. Oh, it's not done yet. Okay, then we'll make one other, one little move. Let's see how it turns out. Mm. Oh, we're not done yet. And then ten years later, you're you're still mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Only this year, you look back and you're like, this movie stinks. Yeah, it's not Chicken Run. No, no, it's a great movie. Is that your favorite claymation movie? I think so. It's between that or like Wallace and Gromit. Wow! <laughs> you know, that's the, honestly that's the, the only two claymation movies that's the I really sheep, know of, right? That's yeah, the, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Wallace and Grumman, I think, are the the guy and the dog. Oh, but I'm isn't there mistaken. a sheep yes. involved? There's a sheep involved. Whoa, I could be wrong. A, a totally different. Movie. I remember the guy and the dog, but there's a sheep in there too. It's been wasn't a minute it? since I've seen the movie. Anthony, okay. it's a totally different movie. You're thinking. Okay, got it. My bad. Don't watch that one with your kids. Yeah, Wallace and Gromit is the 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 guy with the uh, the guy that looks like Jim Trestle and, <laughs> Jim and his Trestle. dog. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Chicken Run is on here. I'm looking at claymation. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Wow, that's yeah, that's a classic. Is that really claymation though? Because oh, yeah, yeah, I oh, think yeah, it so. Is. But Absolutely. It's like, yeah, there is. Gold. There's some claymation. Some of it though is like dolls, you know. So. I think most of it's claymation, though. Probably, you're right. That, that's yeah. got for me. That's got to be number one. Yeah, gold. I would say so too. Yeah, <laughs> gold. gold, chicken run. Uh, I'm looking at some of these. Some of these I don't even recognize. Frankenweenie. Oh, you're thinking Ooh. of Sean the Sheep. Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Is that the same or no? Is that totally different? I think that's something completely different. Okay. Is the Nightmare Before know. Christmas? Yeah, that, that would be claymation. That was too. claymation. What? That's I watched a it fantastic last night. movie. Did you? We watched Why? it last night because the kids put it on. That's the Halloween movie that you watched? No, I, yeah, the kids put it on. I'm not going to fight. I don't oh. care. I had a bourbon. I could, you put on freaking anything. I don't give a crap. <laughs> here's a here's a question for <laughs> you. What's going on here? Yeah. Now is that a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? Well, they I play it as movie, well. They it? play it as a Halloween movie, but it is a Christmas movie. It's a it, that's yeah, that's a weird one. I don't know where you put that one. Okay. Uh, have you guys ever seen the wrong trousers? Nope. Mm. It's number two on the list, mm. and number one is Coraline. Oh yeah, never it's, heard of it. Yeah. It's the girl. Uh, she's got her eyes are like buttons. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Interesting. <laughs> the more you know. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got what you missed. Okay. Criticisms, oh, compliments. Celebrity death match is by yeah, far the best claymation. One. Yeah, so, that's true. Before we wrap this up, do we think the Cardinals will go from a claymation movie to a Marvel movie? Oh, as... God, no. They're going to be claymation. Oh, okay. The to budget the, uh, won't allow them to, the to end go of to time. Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not hiring. Like, a, like an animated they're not, movie? They're not hiring Jerry Brockheimer. You know what I mean? They're, no. they're going to stick with what they've got. <laughs> They got Ed in the back. They might actually have with the videos. They're good. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. What you miss? Criticisms, compliments. Next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
If you miss anything from today's show, you can download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile apps are brought to you by Dobbs Steyer and Auto Centers. We thank you for listening today, being a part of the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. We also appreciate the Air Alliance team watching us on YouTube uh, at 101 ESPN STL. We talked to Jeremy Rutherford today, talked about the Blues game potential game one lineup being kind of released. You know, did uh, Chief kind of tip his hand when it comes to how the lineup look, might look? We talked about the Cardinals and some comments made by Jerry DePoto of the Mariners, the team president there, who sounded like Mo, kind of said, yeah, this is our philosophy too. Sounded a lot like the Cardinals. Also discussed how the Rizzuto show was complaining about us again. Which is annoying, but we'll see them tomorrow at Scott Air Force Base. And if you're on base, hopefully we had a chance to say hello and thank you for our military appreciation day and we played nfl fill in the blank which is always fun uh jamie kicked me off the lions bandwagon he gave me a uh, probation uh an opportunity Mm -hmm. to prove that i'll stay on the lions bandwagon and when marsh asked me about my team i said yeah i got a team it's falcons oh he accused you of having multiple teams now he said no i only have one team the falcons right that was brutal falcons are my team I hopped on the Lions bandwagon. I didn't know I had to also claim them. I didn't. Re- I didn't read the fine print, and Jamie did what he had to do. He had to kick me off. It was actually there in big bold letters. So what I've decided to do, instead of being spiteful and rooting against the Lions, I'm going to root for them, yeah. and my stank is going to be all over the Lions. It's not going to work though, because it's not going to be real. It's not going to be truthful. Like your Falcons stink only because you tr- you cheer for them for real. There's a lot of reasons they stink. Yeah, but that's probably the best one. Yeah, that's true. Hey, here's a, an idea. Why don't you make the playoffs before everybody congratulates you? This isn't MLS, Cincinnati, oh! FC. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree. You're talking about the Falcons? No. Wow. wow. Marsh, what well, do we got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, we uh, talked about the Riz show earlier and... Uh, you know, just them complaining and whatnot. Yeah. The 618 says, go Riz show. Oh, good. Oh, God. Shocker. Hey, you know what? The teams that he roots for, they don't do this too They well. don't do well. <laughs> they don't. He yeah, loves he, to hate the Cardinals. But, yeah, that's But the he thing. loves the Cardinals. So, uh, does he, though? Yeah. I don't know. because He's he, obsessed with them. Uh, to me, he always, it's always negative about the Cardinals. So maybe he's saying, oh, go Riz show, but he's like, I hate the Riz show. You know, see how weird it is? Like, you just don't know what angle he's got. Either way, either way, the 6-1 hate is down 3-1, just like the Riz show is, so. Absolutely. Good point. Uh, Anthony, go you said yourself, uh, San Diego. you're going to say um, see you here uh, in a couple of minutes, but yeah. uh, you said it earlier today, and we yeah. all were confused. From the 636, Anthony, Anthony thinks Marsh's name is Brandon. And that the show ends at three thirty. I said, "See you to Brandon Staley." I, I wasn't doing the the, the final, the final tagline. There are other people on the text line that interpreted that in a different way. Yeah. What did they interpret it? I can't remember. Or how now, did they interpret it? But it had something to do with the name Brandon. Brandon Staley. Mm. Yeah, but they worded it differently. Can't exactly remember exactly what it was, but uh-huh. yeah, um, it was definitely with Brandon in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see where we're going with this. 
Um, we'll keep the feet moving. From the 314, yep. we were just talking about claymation. Uh, you keep calling it claymation, but claymation video, like Gumby, was an early form of stop action video, like the Nightmare Before Christmas. Therefore, the more correct term would be stop action. Mm. I just, got another text like that said, hey, Rivs, claymation is also stop action. It's not all clay. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I mean, we're an educational show. We well, why are, do they call it claymation then? Like, why don't they call it stop action? Because I, I guess you can use other other things other than clay. Look, I, appreci- I appreciate it. We appreciate. Yeah, Play-Doh. There you go. We appreciate you filling us in. Thank you. But let's not go down the poisonous, venomous We don't route. want to cancel the whole People show. People lost yeah. their jobs last time. Yeah. Now, they gained them right back, but uh, still. It, it still was horrifying for a minute. It certainly was. Yeah. All right, last one here. Uh, Anthony, you have jumped off the Lions bandwagon. No, hold on. I was I'm kicked off. No, you, I was kicked <laughs> off. You were mid-air. You voluntarily jumped off. He no, did. I was um, kicked off. Brutal. It's disgusting. I'm assuming this is a Lions fan from the 816. Anthony is dead to me now. Fine. I mean, that's Fine. harsh. You kicked me. Fair, you harsh. Jamie kicked me off the bandwagon. All right? Let's get that straight. I didn't jump off. I got kicked off. And then Jamie ran me over and then backed up over me again. On behalf, on behalf of Lions Nation, <laughs> I'd do it again. Behalf. Behalf. <laughs> on behalf of my peers, located in the Motor City, I would back that truck right back over you, lad. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Andrew Marsh from Anthony Stalter. We appreciate you listening. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.